0: Everybody's got podcasts. My podcasts have names. The demons. Demons. We're a
1: couple demons. Uh, That's the opening line of the film, right? Or the opening voiceover? It's 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 the the end of the opening voiceover. And then the title rushes towards us or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're a couple. uh, We're like the Wendell and Wild of podcasting. Sure. that we're like annoying little guys. Yeah, demonic.
1: Who live in someone's hair
0: right yeah um we're gonna talk about this right before we start recording uh just the way scheduling stuff shakes out new releases and what have you like uh at first we thought oh we'll do sell at the end of the year and we'll like time it out around when wendell wild's coming out and then things shift around and you're like oh this episode's gonna come out three months after the movie comes out will that be annoying that we're like getting to it so late and it does feel like this movie uh came out in october We're recording right now in December. The episode will drop in January. I would say this movie has already been forgotten. I don't think most people are aware that it existed in the first place. Yeah, forgotten is almost the wrong word. How can you forget something you never knew existed? Right. Our episode coming out three months after this movie uh, was released on Netflix. It was on the very popular streaming service. I think ultimately might function as a reclamation project.
1: Yeah. I don't want to point any fingers at anybody because uh, I don't know who made this decision. Yeah. But it felt like it was almost illegal to reference that this film was coming out. It, bizarre. Like that it was like some kind
0: of like guarded secret. And not only that, but it was like, it does feel like Selick did the rounds. Selick went and did a lot of live there events. There was stuff. Q&As, talks, It festivals. had a festival premiere. It did a lot of interviews and most of those interviews seemed to be buttressing more. It's the anniversary of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And look, I'm among the I'm among the culprits here. I didn't write about this movie, partly because
1: of the problem of that I keep running into of like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, when do I cover this? Right. Like it's out, but it's like barely out. To what extent is it out? Should I wait for the streaming release? And then the streaming release comes around and you're kind of like, is this too late? No one's talking
0: about it. Like, such a weird situation. It also it it played at Toronto, but was one of those movies that feels like, even though you liked it? All yeah. our other friends who uh, saw it with you liked yeah, it? Yeah, and I, I did, I, I forgot about that. I did include it in my Toronto writing. Yes. Right. But you were like, but that's one of five movies you saw that day. You well, see 20 movies in five days. Well, we're going to talk David, about David, I'm laying you up here. You are setting me up. Welcome, uh, introduce our show. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors. Who experience massive success early on in oh, their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby, here's a film board. I don't even know how to define where this I film exists. This is
1: the the increasing situation with contemporary streaming releases, where I'm like, seems
0: kind of like a bounce, but I mean,
1: if the whole financing model is bouncing, right? So <laughs> it's a bounce within a bounce.
0: Um, This is. The end of our Henry Selleck miniseries. Ben Hosley's The Podmare Before Castmas.
1: A good old time that we have had mm-hmm. covering
0: the career of a great animator. Yeah, and uh, I was saying this to someone today. I don't know if you've had this experience, but when people ask me, so what director are you covering now? Or in the months leading up to this, what director are you covering next? And I'd say Henry Selleck, and they would tilt their head and say, who? It does really feel Like, the Burton thing is a shadow. He will never come out from under it. He will never
1: come out from under it.
0: But yes, I would do, like, Selick,
1: and they'd be, like, blank face. And I'd be like... Uh, he has a new movie coming out, Blank Face. And I'd be like, he's the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. And they're like, Tim Burton, Selick, Henry Selick. I got Henry that Selleck. so many times. And then I would do the, you know, he did James and the Giant Peach and Coraline. And they'd be like, oh, those were all the same guy. That's the
0: exact conversation. Right. Yeah. So I do feel like we did a little good by making people think about these five movies. I don't bring up Monkey Bone at all in this conversation. usually, but Maybe br- I
1: build to that eventually. And when like, I bring up Monkey did Bone, they right. like,
0: how do I not know about that movie existing? Uh, it's another one that it was sort of a federal law. And you're like, and you're it lost a hundred million dollars. And it stars the actor that we're all revisiting the career of right now. Right. But no one's like, ah, oh, Brendan, let's go through, you know, it's like school ties with honors and Ceno Man the Mummy. It, no one's like Monkey Bone. You remember that one? It truly feels like the one that is being skipped. I feel like Furry Vengeance comes up in conversation more than Monkey Bone as part of the the Sons or whatever the fuck we're calling it.
1: Yes, this is the uh, last film of Henry Selick's career. I hope it's not the last in totality. No, it's his most recent effort. Here's
0: the thing: like, even if this movie has, you cannot call it a success in terms of the public perception, right? Mm-hmm. It's not winning critics' awards. It barely got reviewed, and it doesn't feel like most people know it exists. I do think it still basically operates as a comeback for Selick just in that, like, he finished a fucking movie, and it was released. I think it might make it easier for him to get the next thing made. And it was also not, like, a monkey bone thing where it was slammed. No. Maybe the
1: reviews were a little tepid, or maybe the reception was just, in general, a little quiet. I think
0: the reviews were largely good it just
1: feels like people didn't cover it that much yeah 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 i feel like the reaction was generally like good you know happy to have have some notes but right right. well our reaction is happy to have him
0: back yeah i like this movie a lot yes um i i i rank it probably the well we'll we'll do our yeah we can do all that later yeah but david most importantly As I said before, you saw this movie at the Toronto International Film Festival. I did. TIFF. Uh,
1: Where it premiered. Yes. On September
0: 11th. Oh, no. Uh,
1: I did not see it at the premiere screening. I saw it at a press screening that I think was maybe a day or two later. Now,
0: you have been building up to me the story. It's one of those accidental buildup situations. The Airbnb story. So here's how it went. I
1: think on one episode, I said, oh, I should tell that Airbnb, my Airbnb story. Yes. Forgot.
0: Genuinely right. forgot. I think it was the Woman King episode, the first episode we recorded. Right after. after you get back. Yes. And then people were like, what's the Airbnb story? And I was like, oh, right, right, right. Don't let me forget. And then on another episode, I may have said it again. You said, well, it happened before I went to see Wendell and Wild, so it maybe did. I save it for that Eventually,
1: episode. I was like, you know what? I'll save it. Yeah. Now, I've been saving what is a small story, uh-huh. but now it has become a bit of a ball of wax. Yes. Uh, that I have to
0: contend with. It relate does relate to my viewing of this movie, though,
1: uh, and my experience at TIFF this year.
0: Now you say it's a small story, but it does sound like the story is big enough that you cannot tell it alone. Well, I've decided I'm going to call Shirley Lee, the great Shirley Lee,
1: friend of the show, past Shirley and future Lee. guest, uh, past and future guest, uh, because she was with me for most of this, okay. uh, and uh, she's my friend, and I love her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the great people she is one of the great people. And so, let's call her.
0: Okay. Let's see if this works. We're going to okay. call her on air. New technology calling yeah. on air. Exactly. This is yeah. also just fun for us. This is fun to see if we can, we can become this. a call out show. Oh yeah. Not a call in show, call out. You cannot call in. No. We can call you. I guess we could do a call in show. Hello. Oh my goodness. Oh, Who is this? Oh, Shirley.
1: Can you hear me? Hello. Oh boy, she can't hear me. Wait.
2: Hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: oh, Wait, she's laughing now. I can hear you now. Okay.
1: okay, there you go. Remember that guy? The can you hear me now guy? Yeah. Can you hear us all?
2: I can hear you all.
1: Wow, Ben, good you're job. You're coming
2: loud and clear.
1: That's Great. beautiful. Incredible. Hi, Shirley, it's David, your friend and colleague. Hey! Shirley, you're in Los Angeles right now. That's true. Uh, what's the weather like?
2: Um, It's brisk. It's chilly for LA. It's like in the 50s. Is it sunny? Uh, yeah, it's quite sunny. All
1: right. Sunny Los Angeles. Mm. Great. There we go. That's what I <laughs> wanted to say. You're <laughs> in sunny Los Angeles right now, and we are in uh, dank windowless Brooklyn.
0: It's actually kind of like L.A. weather here today. It's
1: unseasonably warm. It is it's actually weirdly
0: 52 warm. degrees. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I thought I would call you because we are recording our Windle and Wild episode, and we are going to tell the Airbnb story. And I don't think you know this, but it's become a bit of a thing on our podcast that I wanted to talk about the thing that happened at our Toronto Airbnb this year, and I kept forgetting, and now it's been two months longer. Three months? Four months? Mm -hmm. When was Toronto? September. Three months, and... Remember, it
2: was my birthday?
1: It was your birthday. You turned We went to Mamafuku. Remember that? Congratulations.
2: Don't tell
1: everybody. I shouldn't. Is that a secret? Oh, your age. I'm sorry. We can cut that out. (laughs) All right. I'll bleep it. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, But we did go to Mama Fuku. We went in between bros and the woman king. Mm. Yes. Remember, they were like, we don't have a table for you unless you can finish in 45 minutes. And I was like, woman, we have to finish in 45 minutes.
0: We have bros to see.
2: They were like, can you eat fast? And we were like, challenge, accept it. And also, yeah. you don't have to accept, like, accept anything. We, we only have this much
0: time. Right. Yes. Wait, I'm I just quickly, quick aside. I'm sorry. I'm confused. You saw Bros? <laughs> yes, we did. We did. I, we did. But I thought straight men were the problem. Uh, we are the problem. Okay. Shirley and I were both the problem
1: at Bros. <laughs> we resolved after seeing it to never tell anyone to see it.
2: Don't, don't love me with the problem, David. This
1: is what? No, you're right. It was men, my so birthday.
2: It was yeah, your birthday. It was birthday. her birthday.
1: Uh, it's not your fault. Okay, so, Shirley, you and I went to Toronto's International Film Festival together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shared an Airbnb uh, in Toronto's beautiful downtown district. Oh, boy, here we go. Right? Uh-huh. Uh We were there for work, right?
2: <laughs> yes, this is all true. I'm just laughing because I don't know how much you've built this story up over the past I
1: really have built it up way too much, considering what it is about to be.
0: Listeners are now doing the "That's Chappy meme, but with "That's the Airbnb." At you finally mentioning the Airbnb, they're doing Leo. <laughs> yeah, Leo on the couch, <laughs> pointing. Okay, uh,
1: and uh, surely on the evening of September eleventh,
2: two thousand twenty-two.
1: Yeah, a day that will live in infamy. If you remember, we both got home incredibly late. We both both got back to the Airbnb like at like midnight. Uh, you yes. had seen The Good Nurse, mm. I believe, mm-hmm. right? And they had done a thing where they were like, uh, the cast has to leave
0: before the screening, so we'll do the Q&A in advance of the movie. Always makes sense.
2: Yes, yes. it was, it was I, w- I was maybe sort of losing my mind. I liked the film fine, right? Sure. Uh, fine I ended up film. writing about it. Just like they, they were like, let's shuffle the cast onto the stage and do the Q&A now before anybody has seen the movie.
1: Right, without revealing anything about the movie.
2: Yes, and it was a very vague, just annoying <laughs>
1: waste of time. So you're a little strung out. You're a little tired. I had seen, I believe the last film I saw that day was Sex Drama Sanctuary with Margaret Qualley coming to theaters in 2023. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Um, anyway, we're both tired. And the next day, I have to see three movies and then I'm going to drive out of Toronto mm-hmm. to New York. Where you live, your home. Where I live, because I foolishly drive to and from the Toronto International Film Festival, which is long and tiring, but I enjoy it and I hate flying.
0: Yeah, And also
1: this year I'd forgotten, I don't know where my passport is right now, so the only way I can cross into the Canadian border is by land, because I have an enhanced driver's ID. Wow. Okay. This is all true. Yep. So Shirley, you know I'm stressed
0: out about this. And Wendell & Wilde is screening at 9 a.m. I'm just remembering you were telling us this story about your passport. Yeah. Before we recorded. Yeah. Then said, "Oh, you know what? That reminds me. I shouldn't tell you the rest of this. I have a I'll good story. I'll save it on, story like. on my story on And then I've been waiting. So I've set that up for you twice now. Yes. Okay. And so I'm just I'm just setting up that we're
1: both a little tired and stressed out. Uh huh. How's the house? You know, Shirley, what's your review of it? Of the Airbnb. The Airbnb itself. Yeah, the apartment that we were in
2: uh let's see what are the what are the parameters again i mean like i i would put a 4.9 i'd say the wow, the wow. <laughs> you know, you comfort know. the cleanliness the communication all the seas it seems it's great <laughs> all <balcony>. the seas
1: <laughs> it was like toronto especially downtown toronto is littered with these gigantic t- tower blocks of like recently built condo buildings and they're all freaking airbnbs it's like a problem i think yeah. like that the city has like they're all just kind of empty yeah. Which is a thing we encountered, Shirley, would you agree, at this place that we were staying that was very convenient to the Toronto Film Festival? Yeah,
2: that downtown, downtown Toronto is a Potemkin village. Yes, I, I agree.
1: Right. I mean, but it was, <laughs> but as Shirley says, the Airbnb itself, totally nice. I anything you need, you know, uh, all the amenities. Lovely. Did it have, like, a sign
3: that said home?
1: They always it did have a weird sign yeah. that said, like, home on the wall. i <laughs>
2: I'm taking it down a notch to 4.8. There was no coffee. I had to rush out every morning. Okay.
1: That's true. Fair and enough. you you got to have your coffee. I
2: do.
1: Shirley, would you also say my evaluation of our relationship the second we entered this Airbnb together was that we turned into teenage siblings and were constantly punching <laughs> each other and, and so on and being like, you're stupid, you're stupid. Like we just immediately <laughs> devolved into that. Or you would be like, uh, do you need the bathroom? I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'd be like, no. And you'd be like, okay. Like, we would just do that at each other. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It'd be like, I'm leaving for a screening. Is that fine with you? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> anyway, we're home. It's about 1230 at night. Okay. And suddenly, Switching as over. we're chatting and winding down, mm-hmm. a loud noise happens in the apartment. An alarm noise. Like a... Arr! Just like that. Just okay. one tone. One. Just one. Not in, a, you know, just one. Okay. And we were like, what was that? And it came out of like an intercom that was like built into the wall. Like not like your classic sort of smoke alarm that you can unplug. Right. Because this is like a modern building of modern convenience.
0: Okay. This was like a 1984. Okay. Right. Okay. Surely, I think we both were just kind of like Weird and like
1: yeah okay time for bed and like went to sleep right would you agree we we turned we 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 sort of turned in
2: i would agree the the the, the sibling comparison is apt here because it was kind of like we don't have to take care of this mom and dad
1: will <laughs> sure we were just sort of like okay and then it was either i think it was every half an hour that would happen again okay <clears throat> just like that uh huh without warning or explanation surely who I salute, somehow fell asleep. Right, Shirley? You actually managed to just ignore this.
2: Yeah. Here's the thing. Well, I think the difference was this was my first in-person tiff, and uh-huh. I was really worn out, Yeah. and I had earplugs. You had earplugs. And, like, I I just curled up on, on the, the sectional.
1: You were sleeping on the sofa. Right. I, and Griffin, maybe you can understand this. mm mm-hmm. Grew to both fear. I knew it was going to happen every half hour because the pattern emerged. Yes. So I couldn't get to sleep, partly because it would wake me up, and partly because I was like, "It's just going to happen again." How loud? Loud. Very loud. Like, louder. Like very loud. It was. It's an alert. It was designed to alert you. (laughs) It definitely wasn't just someone going like, "Oh hey, uh, man." You know, like it was like. <laughs> but the weird thing was that it was not sustained. Sure. So at three thirty in the morning, yeah, after just hours of this, yeah. I've gone mad. Right. I have gone mad. I almost feel, and like... I'm also stressed out because I have to drive the next day. So I've got so
0: much and stress. You do to fall asleep
1: on the road, but you're staring at the ceiling,
3: just waiting for yes. it.
0: Yeah. If it were a sustained thing, I almost feel like I have an easier time falling asleep because it becomes... It just, you own. just make it the sonic bed. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, you just get in there. Versus... E- even if it would be sustained for two or three minutes once an hour mm-hmm. versus one burst, <clears throat> Right. I'm it just like, was
1: that like will sleep deprivation. It, it was like they were yes. like, anytime you're about to nod off, don't worry, we're going to yeah. prod you again. So... At three thirty, I have I, This is. I'm just saying that like, I have gone a little mad. I think. And Shirley
0: sleep in snug. Shirley is
1: is as far as I can tell asleep. I'm not like walking over to her and like poking her. Shirley, but, like, can you verify this? Seemed, I, I
2: can I can verify this. I can I can corroborate the story thus far.
1: Okay. Okay. So <laughs> sleeping snug at three thirty, I've gone mad. I get up, and I'm just walking around the apartment, going like, "What could this be?". And I start to get into my head, and this is, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm a little loosey-goosey at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's a security pad at the, like, okay. front of, the, by the door. And I'm like, is, like, a door ajar? Mm-hmm. Is this, like, some weird, like, security system thing I don't understand? So I go over to it, and this is, I want to fully admit, the wrong decision. Okay. I start punching buttons. <laughs> oh. Oh. <no. laughs> i don't like look around for how do you control this thing or yeah. like email somebody because it's in the middle of the night yeah i'm just kind of like i don't know i think i'm just delirious and i'm like i can just
0: uh like i can just turn this off you're grumpy you're sleep deprived and you just start hitting things in my memory <laughs> i truly just truly just i was like
1: this one no this one no like and, and guess what i did Activated and armed the security system, (laughs) which then immediately detected intruders and went off. And so I started a whole new problem, which was the security system was just blaring, you know, like full alarm. Like, yes. Now, not only are you guys not sleeping, the neighbors are not sleeping. Well, here's the thing there are no neighbors, no one's in this building. This is the thing I really realized. I was worried about that, obviously. But like, do yeah. no not one
0: even other Tiffers staying there. If there are, they're like spread out. OK, like, this is a huge building.
2: There were. I remember encountering them the next day. Yes, there are a few people. Surely
0: you remember encountering people with death in their eyes and I hate David Sims printed on a T-shirt. We're not even the story's not done.
2: I remember just, but I hate Davidson's fan club, whatever you call hate club.
1: They were there. Yeah, you know, they 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 were there just for the whole week. They
2: but. just
0: don't like blank Shack.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. They were <laughs> they were prepped. Yeah, they think we're cuffs. So No, but also I think I'm realizing as the security system is going off is that that's not coming out of the intercom that was making the other noise. This is coming out of the security system. Uh-huh. So I so at this point I'm like oh my god shirley is now awake i mean right this is this wakes you up right shirley you can you cannot...
2: corroborate this right i yes i i can verify that i i fully woke up well not fully that's not the right word i woke up to a symphony of noise
1: <laughs> if i pressed a button it would stop it for a second so i just kept being like beep 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 beep, beep like you know like just to stop it you were djing almost mm-hmm. This is why I wanted to call you, Shirley. I want your perspective on this. On you like waking up and just finding me like crouched by the front of the apartment.
2: Wait, I don't remember. Okay, you were crouched. My memory. I was standing. Yeah. 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 I wake up and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I take out my earplugs, which was not a great call because then it was immediately a thousand times louder. Louder. And yeah, I get up, I walk over, and I just see you. You're you're standing in front of the alarm system, the security system. You're wringing your hands. Anybody who knows you can probably picture you just wringing your hands mm-hmm. at like that I've ever seen you done before. It right
0: now, in front of me.
2: <laughs> and I think like what was truly harrowing. It wasn't even the alarm. Like like it it wasn't the alarm. It was seeing my friend David not be my friend David anymore. Like you were just like <laughs> you were you were a husk of a person. You were like. Like, I think what crossed my mind was, like, you look like like, like you'd been infected.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: You looked pale. Right. And, like, you were, fall- you were actively falling apart. Right. And I think, like, your soul had left your body. Right. That's right. what I remember.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> I think I remember you came and I was ashamed. I was ashamed. Mm-hmm. I had woken you up. I felt bad. And also, I knew I was like, whatever this was, I should not have started hitting this security system. Yes, but you're in too deep now. But surely, I just remember you kind of like, you're like, put your hand on my shoulder. You're like, it's going to be okay. We'll figure this out. And then, so I then I was like, all right, crack the fucking, you know, folder here. Like, let's, let's get this guy's phone number, the host. Uh, I, like, I hate to do this. Yes. But I call the guy, the ho- our host, at 3.30 in the morning. And he answers the phone. He'd been asleep, too. So I feel a little bad about that. Weirdly, weirdly he was asleep. You should feel more than a little <laughs> bad. To be clear, I had sent them a, m- a bunch of messages on through the Airbnb thing. Sure. But it was past midnight. Like, yeah. there was no right. reason for the right. to You have them. to call. Yeah. Uh, I call them. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm your tenant or, you know, I'm whatever, your person in this your, apartment. Your airbnb or Right. Uh, I've activated the security system. There's an alarm going off. I don't. And he was like, oh, we don't use that. Uh, let me like find the code to turn it off. Like, he doesn't like know it. <laughs> sure. He's like, it's written down somewhere. Yeah. So he oh, gives me God. that. So, you know, so after, you know, we do, we we deal with that problem. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the original problem remains. We're still getting the Blair. If that
0: still is going. That's still going. It does that seem to be only contained to the apartment you're in, or is that unknown? It's at that point unknown. Okay.
1: I'll reveal it. Okay. Later what okay. The Great. Was. Great. Great. And, uh, he, I tell him that that's happening too, and he's like, I don't know what that is. That sounds weird. I will try to deal with, I'll try and look into that, but it's 30 sure. in the morning. I'm like, I understand. I'm so yeah. sorry. He's I, like, I hate you. <laughs> no, he was, by the way, credit to this guy who I won't name, obviously, but like, he was really nice about it. Okay. We're done. Surely mm-hmm. you went back to sleep, right?
2: Yeah, I did. I did kind of just like curl back up. I don't, I was, I, yeah. I,
1: I, <laughs> I think I also <laughs> finally collapsed and mm-hmm. did sleep for a couple hours. Humble prank. Yeah, seriously. Then <laughs> surely I'm gonna say it's seven seven thirty in the morning somewhere around there, right? Uh, I think it
2: was earlier. Than Might have been that.
1: earlier. Six. The sun had yeah. s- had risen. Okay, so you maybe slept a <laughs> clean two thirty. Yeah. Uh, the alarm <laughs> shifts from once every half hour to total. Total. Alarm. Now it's now, now it's it is good. going okay. going going, and then occasionally a voice will be like, "Fire! Fire! Leave building! You know, whatever." These modern fire alarms with a voice.
2: Yeah, I remember very dumbly asking you if, like, oh, should we should we leave?
1: <laughs> right. Obviously, one feels compelled to leave. And this is when I'm like poking my head. It's the whole floor is doing it. You can tell now. Sure. I'm poking my head out, I'm not mm-hmm. seeing anybody. Shirley and I just kind of sit there for a while, just being like, what do we do? I think we're both kind <laughs> of like, are we in Dimension X? Like, is have we both gone mad? Is this uh-huh. a collective madness now? <laughs> we eventually go. To the lobby, surely? We must have, right?
2: We, yeah, well, okay. I think, hang on. I'm, I'm trying to think of the sequence of events. I think I, I, said, I said we need to find out what's going on. Sure. Like, maybe we should contact the Airbnb person. But then, like, that, that wasn't very logical. We were like, why don't we just go? Da- I think you were the one. That said, Why don't we go downstairs and just find out?
1: Right. We go to the lobby. They're like, we don't know what's going on. There's no fire. We've called the fire department. That's
3: what I was waiting for. Okay. Yes. No no smoke, no fire. No fire.
1: Uh, and they're like, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, it's the whole floor. You can use like the lounge on like the 35th floor because uh-huh. this is like a fancy condo. So we go up there. I have a nice picture of us. Okay. It's uh, a picture sleeping of your legs sleeping in the they're lobby. They're Shirley sleeping.
2: I think that's kind of no, no, no. This is backwards.
1: No, we went up there, we went up there and then we went down to the lobby. Look, it doesn't matter what the sequence is
2: i'm trying to verify the story trying to tell you the facts which is i think we went up there first because i had remembered there was a lounge up there yeah labeled the winter lounge right and then it just seemed wrong to stay there if there i don't know was in order to evacuate mm-hmm. that's all
1: right we go down to the lobby they're like we don't know what to do the fire department shows up the toronto fire department okay. a Hotties? bunch of friendly canadian bodies huh? uh yeah they were good looking they weren't like, you know, Nothing calendar like, material. Sure, I mean, there's like a reason that. you sat on the story for <laughs> three months. <laughs> and they're like, we don't know what to do, which is a real moment yeah. where they're like, look, <laughs> this, these buildings have these weird alarm systems run by private companies. It's going off for some reason. It was pouring outside. And they were like, it's probably the rain has like short-circuited something. But
0: they basically think we detect no sign of fire. Here.
1: Yeah, they're like, there's nothing wrong except for this alarm system is we're, we're not working and that's not our problem. They're, not, they're saying it in a polite Canadian way, but they are saying it in a sort of like, you got to call the company. Yeah,
2: they're saying there's, there's no fire. It's just raining outside.
1: So at that point, eventually, after all this madness, surely you literally did try to sleep just like in the lobby. Uh, it was mm-hmm. all very distressing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Wendell and Wild. Wilde. That's better than this. What time was the 9 a.m. Wild- okay. So I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yes. I'm actually going to put my clothes on. Yes. I may have even shower. No, I don't think I showered, like, in the fire alarm. <laughs> that would have been too insane. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to put my clothes on, and I'm going to walk my ass over to the light box and just watch Wendell and Wilde, because at least there won't be a fire alarm. True. And Shirley, you were like, that sounds good. I'm going to retreat somewhere, right?
2: Here's the thing, David. I don't think we've talked about I was kind of genuinely worried about you and afraid of you at the That's <laughs> time.
1: <laughs> this why it's good to have her on the phone. You, yeah,
2: you you were you were the walking dead. Right. Like you had wrung your hands so much they looked like they were gonna fall off. I was just like, This man is gonna go see a movie. Like <laughs>
0: He had wrung his I
2: hands guess. to the nub. <laughs> but, but seeing a movie is the
0: only thing he knows how to do, sure. That's the, the thing. I was just down. like, you know what? You know what? There's a movie. There's a movie.
1: I can go in there. There's it's There's always a movie. And so I went in the rain to see Wendell and Wilde. I got a bagel. I got a bagel and a coffee from Second Cup. Shout out Second Cup. What kind of bagel? I think it was like a plain bagel with butter. I was like, I cannot Jesus, handle right rough morning. <laughs> and I'm And I go to the light box and I sit down at Wendell and Wilde and I'm like, look. I'm sure I'm going to have to end up seeing this again because, like, Jesus, like, I'm no fit state. Wendell and Wild starts. I'm immediately, like, pretty locked in, and I had a really? good experience it is watching Wendell an and Wild. it is an incredibly dense plot. It's a very dense movie. movie. But I remember, like, walking into the light box, and there's, yeah. there's the volunteers there, and I'm like, Wendell and Wild? And they're like, yeah, you know, Theater 4. And I'm like, okay. But I'm saying okay to them, like, they're like Florence Nightingale. Like, yeah. I'm like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thank like, you. you're checking into Betty oh. Ford. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, I, w- I go to the theater, and they're like, yeah, yeah, just about to start. And I was like, "Okay, oh, good." <laughs> <laughs> and I there, there's no one I know there. And I'm yeah. just sort of like, good. I don't want to deal with anyone right now. I just sit down, watch the movie. I was supposed to see The Whale next. I was, I'm, like, my plan was, like, okay. I was going to do back-to-back. Yeah. I walk out of Wendell & Wild. To, Shirley, you had texted me, like, the alarm has stopped. Like, the company came. Mm-hmm. It's over. And I was like okay, I'm not going to fucking see the whale yeah. after this. Yes. Like, I definitely... And I went home, and I finally, like, crashed. Wow. And that is the Airbnb story. And the guy refunded us the last night of the wow. Airbnb. Good guy. Yeah, he was good.
2: Can I add an epilogue?
1: You Please. absolutely can.
2: Which is that you were you were healed by Wendell and Wilde. And during that time, I had gone up to the lounge, and I had curled up, and I attempted to sleep a little bit more. And then... This person came around being like, the alarm's fixed on that floor. You can go back down. I went back down. And my next screening was Banshees of Sharon mm. And this time, by this time, I had seen my good friend David, you know, lose his mind. <laughs> During this whole time, I had continued to try to sleep. I, I felt like my soul was still in, inside my physical being. Sure.
1: You'd held on to it. Right.
2: I went, I got a, you know, a Tim Hortons cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I go into line for banshees and who's in a different line but our mutual friend esther Esther zuckerman Zuckerman, shout out Mm -hmm. and she captured the photo of when my soul finally exited my body after this ordeal
0: you had been holding on (laughs) but it finally caught up to you and let me find the photo maybe we'll post it it's a
1: great photo you look very cute uh but you are in line and you are in my memory looking up at the sky as if the sky may have an answer for you and it won't But you're, you know, there's clearly just this sort of like searching look in your eyes. Let me find it.
2: This is a self serving story, but I I just want to provide evidence that this was an ordeal, even though you could.
0: (laughs) Sorry, we just saw the photo.
2: (laughs) You can summarize the story as oh my God, an alarm went off in our Airbnb in the middle of the night. But it's not just that. No, that's what
0: I mean. Something deeper, Brooke. Yep. Shirley, uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing this with us, uh, helping the story live up to its full potential. Um, can I ask, have you seen Wendell and Wild?
2: <laughs> I haven't. Okay,
0: <laughs> you and the rest of America, maybe yep. it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Yeah, just type Wendell in. I will. Yeah. It's it's quote unquote available for free, <laughs> as people like to say about anything <laughs> on Netflix, okay. as if pay, you don't pay, pay for the service. Nineteen dollars a
1: month for whatever.
0: Yeah. Let's um, see
1: how quickly it gives me Wendell. Ah, W E N.
2: Okay. I will. I will watch it. Um, I'm excited to watch it, and it's been it's been an honor hopping hopping on talking about the Airbnb saga.
0: Love you, Always Shirley. Always pleasure. You're the best, Shirley. <laughs>
2: Love you. Bye.
0: Bye. Can I get a review of the
1: Airbnb story after all that buildup? I think it was good. Yeah. I think it was good. But it wouldn't have been as fun if I just sort of told that story myself after like a month of buildup, right? Three
0: months of buildup. Correct. At this point, a little more Shirley fun. Ha- ha- I mean, Shirley's a delight. She'll always make anything better. I do think, yes, if you had told it solo at this point, it would have been disappointing. It would
1: have just kind of been like, oh, that sucks.
0: Which was basically the
1: reaction the story gets
0: like, right. you you know, when We need surely
1: describing what you it is, looked I, like. I think it. T- right, right. That's fun. I, yeah. I, I think to Torontonians, it tells a little bit of a story of like these creepy, weird yeah, condos. Yeah, I think you it provocative.
0: You know? Yes, look. Where it's kind of like, I don't know, man. The alarm's going off. What can I tell you? Look, like you, you put yourself in a difficult position, which is how much you built up the expectations for the Airbnb story. Right. Where, it, you know, I think people imagine so many different things that it could be... All that having been said, look forward to the story of the Chappie deal coming two and a half years from now. Right. And my Michael Shannon story, which I keep
1: forgetting to. Mention oh, sure. As well, yeah. i will just float that. I'll one.
0: just see people online say, have I missed it? When did you finally tell the Chappie deal story? Haven't yet? You haven't. You're waiting. I'll tell you when I'll tell it. The moment people stop asking about it and forget that it ever was teased. It's look, we have a few things that are in a kind of break glass
1: in case of emergency thing. It has to be a surprise. But that is how I saw Wendell and Wild. No, I'm, for the first
0: time, I am impressed. It played well for it you under really those well circumstances. I
1: think I was really just like, "This is not. It's a story. I'm involved. I love these people." Yeah. So, so you typing in W E. So W. I, I'll even give you the you know W and E Wednesday. Well,
0: this is what I was going to say. It's got the same first four letters as Wednesday.
1: No, you're forgetting how Wednesday is spelt. Wednesday.
0: Oh. So W-E-N, there you go. Wednesday drops on. I'm the one who's fucking functioning like I, like I had an alarm last night going Seriously. Uh, but But that might be helping it on Netflix that it shares the same first two letters. I have to imagine. The but most wait. successful television show in history. But also, I have to imagine
1: if you watch Wednesday on Netflix, surely the algorithm's like, hey... You know, you might like Wendell
0: and Wilde. That's another thing we got that's kind of in that zone. But when people talk about, oh, this new movie just premiered, and it's not even on the front page of Netflix, a thing that's often lost is uh, Netflix has crazy algorithms, and they're showing entirely different things to entirely different people. Obviously, whatever the quote-unquote empirical top ten will be the same for everybody, but otherwise what's suggested is different for everyone. What truly astounded me is our good friend J.D. Amato saying it has not been presented to me once on netflix if netflix right. with all the data it has on jd I know. over a decade has not once thought maybe we should put this in front of this guy who are they recommending this movie to they've never presented it to me that's a stunning indictment i agree right yeah. and yeah. i'm like if wednesday's a hit they should be fucking pushing this as a viewers also liked or recommended more films like this well all i can say is as you
1: put it it's available for free yes to any Netflix subscriber. Uh, and uh, that is of, of an audience of 450 million people or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. How many 250? How many subscribers is that? So fucking that. Um, and uh, and it's it's a good movie. 250
0: million. Let's let's dig in a little bit to this because a lot of the context of this movie is the context of Selleck's wilderness of 13 years yes. not making a film after making a triumph that's the thing that's so weird about it yes it's not like this is
1: after monkey bone no after his most successful film yes he has forever to
0: not make another one i look well and and a film that has lasted that it feels like has only grown in reputation Coraline has it feels like firmly like planted itself in the canon not not some flash in the plan they continue to fucking sell merch for it. they continue to reissue it on different fucking the steel book just came out 4K, had mine pre-ordered. But yes, in in short, I think Laika believed that he was going to be their main in-house guy. He is their supervising director. Yes.
1: And in fact, after Coraline, his stated focus is, I'm going to help Chris Butler with Paranorman, our next film. Right. Which Paranorman rips. Uh, good movie. Yeah. Uh, He also had been listed uh, as the future director of a CG film called The Wall
0: and the Wing. This is when Leica thought they were going to do half CG. Maybe we'll do some stop motion.
1: Uh, That never materialized, partly, I think, because Selick didn't want to do it, and partly because Leica dropped that idea of like, we'll do CG.
0: I'm going to just swing to a quick side tangent here. We talked a lot about Will Vint, Will Vint Studios, the Leica takeover in the last episode some of which we were correcting ourselves in real time as we dug into the story. There is a documentary called Clay Dream that is fucking phenomenal. I recommend it to Ben. Ben watched it as well. I had sort of... I'd not avoided watching it. I knew I'd probably like it, but I assumed it was maybe more of a uh, Sparks Brothers type. Here is an the, the, the full recognized artist. Right. Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. through their whole career and show you all the, the gaps of it, whatever. It is... Mostly a documentary about the impossibility of trying to make art within a capitalist system Mm. and the weird balance of people who try to become moguls in order to be able to control their artistic destiny. It is an incredible film. It goes so deeply into the film night like a takeover stuff. It is basically structured around videos of the depositions of the hearings years after uh, Will Vint was pushed out of the company. The story is far more complicated than we even relate it in yeah. that episode. Uh, I highly recommend that people watch it. It certainly provides a lot of interesting like a context, stop motion as a medium context, all of that. It only came out last year, right? It came it out was... in 2022. Yeah, you're right. It yeah, did. it was. It's a phenomenal film, fel- right. and you also get to see all his like early short films, clips, and high def, and you know, it's it's great. It's such a like nice nostalgic
3: sort of like take take me back to being a kid yeah. like I was I was really into the California races I forgot I had a, like a toy and would watch the watch the show I but guess also
0: like a, a pretty brutal unsparing look at like a country that has no support for its arts and a, a man who felt like he had to figure out how to become Walt Disney in right. order to keep an entire medium an entire art form alive He, at one point, is offered by
3: Pixar to be bought out. And he would be given a bunch of Pixar shares. Sure. And this is right before... Things get crazy for Pixar. things get crazy. And he says, I would own the most... Disney shares, if I had taken that been, deal. Right. he would have become been the, the primary Jobs, shareholder. He would have been yes. Steve Jobs. Yeah, right,
0: right. right. Yeah. Because
1: Steve Jobs eventually basically takes that deal.
0: Yeah. yeah. They're sort of crazy. Uh, uh it's it's a it's a phenomenal doc that I highly recommend watching supplemental material to this whole mini series. Mm-hmm. But all of this to say the Leica takeover happens, Vitten is unceremoniously pushed out. They go after Henry Selleck, who's like the other giant of right. stop motion, at least in America, right? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Artman is not going to be broken up. No.
1: They got their own thing going on.
0: Um, Coraline, uh, they, they screen it at Pixar. Pixar will often have visiting yes. filmmakers screen their new movies. And Lassiter and the Pixar team flip for Coraline. And they're like, you should be working for us. And then especially when Coraline comes out and is a big hit, They very quickly, with the support of Disney, go to him with the offer of like, we will let you make your own studio. You can now launch the Pixar of stop motion. Basically, what Selk has tried to do his entire career since Nightmare of like, can I develop an actual continuing studio? Yes. That can be constantly working on the next film. I can be mentoring new filmmakers to take over as directors on further projects, what have you. Basically, like, you can move into Pixar campus yep. in Emeryville. We will give you a wing. It's Cinderbiter Studios. It's your deal. You do what you want to do. Disney will acquire property for you. They acquire, uh, what is it, Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard? We're going to get into that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting into it. This is all this stuff. But the first thing announced is the, is the Shadow King, right? Before signing with Disney, he had been choosing
1: between three projects.
0: An original story, which may be this,
1: Wendell Wong. An adaptation of a Neil Gaiman book that wasn't Coraline or The Graveyard Book. Okay. And an adaptation of an unnamed book that was unlike anything he'd ever made before. Okay. Lasseter brings him on, right? Yes. Selleck pitches everything, and Disney settles on The Graveyard Book, Uh which I guess, whatever, is the game and they decide he should be doing. And The Shadow King, quote, a deliciously magical tale about a nine-year-old New York orphan named Hap who hides his weird hands with long fingers from a cruel world. Sounds pretty selleck and he meets a shadow girl who makes his shadows, hand shadows come to life and his hands become weapons in a shadow war against a monster that
0: wants to eat New York. Once again, sounds very celicky
1: Sounds very celicy, uh, in that it also sounds very hard to summarize yes. and uh, package.
3: But and yes, a
0: lot of what he wanted to do was, uh, you know, this it's like Dumbo where like his terrifying, gigantic ears end up becoming this artistic gift. Yes. These giant, long fingers he has make him the best shadow puppeteer in the world. And a lot of what Selleck wanted to do was combine stop motion and, like, shadow animation, cutout animation. Which sounds cool as fuck. Right. And they use some of that in this film, Wendell and Wilde. They do. Yes.
1: Um, but it enters pre-production in
0: 2011. It uh-huh. enters production Yes. in 2012. he set up at emeryville they it's roll out the red carpet they give him the funding they've announced and Lassiter,
1: this. to be clear he went to cal art to the like yeah. he knows john lasseter yes this is not some like random pairing
0: here no they have history this is also this period right before disney starts acquiring shit like crazy where they were like how do we expand and there was that uh, guillermo del toro disney double dare you where they were like we're giving you your own imprint to make spooky movies mm. henry Selleck, we're giving you your own animation studio like they seem to be investing in people and trying to form new pixar's artists first rather than trying to acquire pre-existing material right. this is all shifting at this point in time the marvel deal is happening marvel
1: two years, obviously though. 2011 2012 you know everything's exploding in 2012 the Shadow King is shut down by Disney, quote, for creative and scheduling reasons. Mm-hmm. The trades report that Selick is just too slow to finish in time for the planned release date, 2013. Uh, and also the Graveyard Book was eventually dropped as well. Disney took a $50 million write-down
0: on the Shadow King. This is what is wild and semi-unprecedented. It ain't Wendell, but it is wild. They basically said a year into a three-year production process. Yeah, they're like, no. The the movie is like 40% animated cost. (laughs) Yes. Right. They're like, we'd rather cut our losses now than do anything to try to salvage this. Then what is even more bananas is they go, look, we will hand back to you the 40% of the movie that you have animated and the rights, and you are free to go shop it around and see if someone else will buy it. And he pitches it everywhere and everywhere passes. There is 40% of a movie that is a follow-up to the man who directed Coraline. I know. And Nightmare Before Christmas, when he's like on a bit of a No, hostage. he's got, an, yes.
1: I mean, do you think that it's because of the stink of like, well, Jesus, if Pixar have done this, it must, there, we can't touch this. I do think it was Like that. the there stink were, of that. Right. Like, they must have
0: seen that this is unworkable. Yeah. I, I think it was truly like uh, quality be damned, is this thing ever going to get finished? Right. Is he going to be the most impossible to work with and deal with? I think he also has burned some bridges by leaving Leica so abruptly with this sort of feeling of he left them holding the bag. He's a bit of a bridge burner. He's a bit of a bridge burner. Here's some quotes from him. Yes. He says, it was the tone a little dark and
1: creepy for them and I agreed to do it for a certain budget, maybe a third or a quarter of the cost of a big Pixar film but plenty of money. And the thing was, John, Lasseter couldn't help himself. He's used to weighing in and changing and changing and changing and we went through so many changes in the film that the budget started to creep up, up, up. Between that and the tone, they just decided to abandon ship. Now, this is Salek's quote. Yes. I'm sure he is telling his version of the story. I don't know, you know, but he is essentially, like, it was sort of Lasseter's fault for, for he, tinkering.
0: He's throwing it all at Lasseter right now. Now, this is pure conjecture on my part. Here's how I interpret that, right? Pixar is infamous for having this brain trust. Yeah. It's got, like, the eight or ten, like, sort of—
1: They've been there from the beginning,
0: doctor and it i mean at the uh, time it was dr bird stanton Lee cridge you know uh uh whoever their their top people are at any given part. i guess that's before brenda chapman is maybe ousted all the brave comes out this year whatever right um and they're like very brutal with each other they watch these movies very critically they suggest wild changes and pixar they've openly talked about their process is essentially make the wrong movie 20 times until you figure it out. Right. It's like failure until you find success by process of elimination. It is a lot easier to reanimate rough CGI than it is with stop motion. Right. Where you 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 can have storyboards, you get animatics whatever, but once you're animating it, you have to go back and just do the whole thing from scratch whereas with CGI the data exists. You haven't rendered it. You haven't added textures. And you could just go back in and reanimate the models that exist in those spaces. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, Selleck is, Pixar at this point has basically honed their tenets of storytelling and what works for them. And Selleck does not think along those conventional terms. And they're going, we really think in Act 1 this needs to be set up so with Act 3 this can happen. And Selleck is basically saying, I don't take notes. He said this in other interviews, basically. Right, if he's taking notes, he's he doesn't really like them. Right, like, the more this, notes this isn't then, a committee. I'm a director. I'm the director of this movie, and they're like, "Well, you're part of the Pixar thing now, and we all weigh in on all of this." In the various quotes JJ's gathered here, you know, he throws some blame at Laster for like changing, changing, changing. He's only really dug into this during the Wendell and Wild. He's press been talking tour. about it during this. Press the last tour. ten Obviously, years, he's been, he's been pretty been more quiet right. about it. Yeah.
1: Uh, he says Alan Horn, who was in charge of Disney. At time, Disney Studios, yeah. uh, said the movie was too weird. We don't know how to sell this. Like, so he blames him, too. In 2013, it was announced he'd revived it with the help of K5 International. Okay. That stalled out, uh, who had helped make the Beast of the Southern Wild. Uh, that stalled out pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, Selick says he does have the rights, you know, to this day. He says, I- I'll owe Disney a little bit of money if we set it up, but maybe it'll get made. I absolutely feel like it would be successful. And, uh, you know, he uh, it exists.
0: 40% of it. He says he has five minutes finished. Interesting.
1: It's a quote from him from very recently. Okay. There may be more unfinished. Interesting.
0: There's a little bit of footage that's uh, watchable online that's leaked out that looks beautiful. I mean, I have no doubt, but I
1: also have no doubt that the man takes a long time making movies. And as you say... If you're going to give him notes, that's only going to make everything more complicated.
0: Yeah, I think there was a hope if this movie connected with the public that Netflix would be like, fuck it, we're in the Henry Selleck business. Let's pay Disney $2 million to get the rights back for Shadow King. Yes. That's what it sounds like. It's his, but if anyone wants to make it, then they have to pay Disney some. Some money. right.
1: With the Shadow King and the Graveyard Book dead, he enters a true wilderness
0: period. Yes.
1: Uh, At one time, Variety announced that he would be doing a live-action adaptation of the 2010 children's book, A Tale, Dark and Grim. Which I just cannot believe he would ever want to do live-action again. Eventually, that became a Netflix series, which I've definitely heard of. He has said apparently he might want to make like a live-action PG-13 horror comedy. Um, And he says like... You know, I've been looking at comedic horror films because I've been accused of being too dark, but I'm not that dark, not compared to something like Saw. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to do like, you know, a horror film that has humor and some social satire. He may be just like, I don't want to do CG. Yeah. And I understand that stop motion is just so fucking expensive and complicated and long that maybe I just need to do something else. Yeah. And uh, at one point he meets with Laika to discuss doing a different Neil Gaiman book called Ocean at the End of the Lane. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, which he still says he'd like to do, but that's kind of just like...
0: Like it doesn't take him back. Well,
1: whatever. Yeah, it doesn't not. Travis Knight ways. says, ultimately, we remain good friends. We talk about projects all the time. You know, kind of a sort of like... Sure.
0: But it does feel telling that they weren't like Henry anything. Of course. More. You know, yeah. Yes. Uh, one last
1: project he apparently was going to direct the pilot of a Russo Brothers series called Little Nightmares that never came.
0: Oh, that's based on a
1: a video Video game. game. Never came together.
0: Right. But that feels like a very selick thing if you look at the artwork for that game. The genesis of Wendell and Wilde Mm -hmm. is apparently when his
1: sons were little, his Mm -hmm. sons are grown now, Mm -hmm. where they were acting like demons one day, and he drew a little sketch of them as demons and wrote a little story called Wendell and Wilde and he came up with the basic idea that is the movie and most of the characters, and he put it aside. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, years later, he was channel surfing. What's on AMC? Rocky again. What's on uh,
0: TBS, the Atlanta Braves? Boring. (laughs)
1: <laughs> more of this
0: yeah i'm giving david the hand signal to stretch out the act out of what's on tv pick like a commercial maybe that was running at that time
1: applebee's i'm bad at commercials because i haven't had tv in years Shamrow. what's it, huh Shamwell. yeah exactly then clicks on the comedy central channel uh, okay. Heard of it? yes home of comedy what's their like catchphrase <laughs> have,
0: like, uh, dude, we're laughing we don't pay kyle canane <laughs> <laughs> they don't pay him anything <laughs> he's been going off about this online <laughs> Good for you, Kyle. Get paid. They still reuse his stuff.
1: He sees Key and Peele and he says he was dazzled and amazed. By the third season, he was just longing mm-hmm. to work with them, and then it hit me. Wendell and Wild, Key and Peele. Uh, He really likes the sketch prepared and, for- And? And? I guess he's just like a double act. They'd be perfect to play the demons. I don't know. He likes the- um, the sketch prepared for Terry's, which is like the guys getting on the plane with yes. the 3D printed guns. And yes. they're like, we're going to kill any terrorists. In right. the most <laughs> insane wigs so of all insane. time.
0: Uh, what? Which is
1: really funny. And he was like, that's Wendell and Wild."
0: Does King Peel premiere 2010 or 2011?
1: Uh, I definitely remember. I lived in Bed-Stuy because I remember seeing. It was 2012. Okay. January 2012. Okay. And I really, you know what, I remember, that's one of the last sketch shows where I was like, well, I'm watching that episode. one." Like, I never would feel that way anymore. You know what I mean? Like, when, like, Arturo Castro had his sketch show, I wasn't like, gotta, you know, cue that up. And I'm not even trying to, like, diss. it. I more mean, like, Key and Peele, I was still like, sketch shows are exciting to me
0: that was that was the final like a, a
1: golden age a, right a
0: final age whatever right. a diamond age Amy schumer and keen peel yes there was a little bit of renaissance I feel like there
1: were a couple others yeah there I, were and there still are good sketches. i'm just i mean i know, think like, you should leave
0: is like incredible. i think you should
1: leave is incredible yeah. black lady sketch like, this, yeah. like
0: but like it just felt like i guess you know what it really is it's portlandia like was also that same portlandia. time. portlandia
1: but it's really it's that comedy central was still making things yes. that i was like gotta check that was a out good era television. for
0: comedy central it was creatively
1: and what was great for them was the streaming era of tv which they just shifted
0: seamlessly into i think i probably said this on mic but the thing i heard was that they um they they made a deal for broad city on hulu yeah and then broad city like blew up on hulu unsurprisingly it, it turned out to connect far more with the hulu audience and the people who are still watching broadcast comedy central and then comedy central was like we fucked up hulu's getting rich off of our show these jerks we are never licensing any of our shows to a streaming service ever again. And then for like eight years, you'd be like, you should watch Review. It's the best comedy on TV. Right. And you're like, how do I I watch it? Uh the worst app in history. Right. It literally shuts down every time <laughs> right. you go to a commercial break and then you have to start the episode over again from the beginning. If you try to scrub to a later point, it goes to an episode of Tosh Point <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. So there's just eight years of Comedy Central producing the best comedies on television. Really interesting stuff and like no one's watching. And you had to be like, what's your tolerance level for <laughs> dealing with bad UIs? I mean, I tried to get
3: through watching Detroiters because you had just, like, incredible. talked it up an so amazing much. show. I it's bought so it good. on iTunes. That's yeah. how I and ended I mean, up watching That's it. what I should right. end up doing because I right. got
0: so frustrated by it. I was like, I can't fucking deal like, with this anymore. There was a point anymore. where it's just, like, they have Review, Detroiters, Nathan for You, right. He and Peel and Schumer were still, like, uh, tailing off. They brought City, all this yeah. incredible stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, he and fi- that new movie came out. That they did. Oh, with every actor in it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love I love their current original movies. Work from
0: home or whatever the fuck it was called. I mean, I want to I revisit that time. That time. Pandemic that and that, that time. particular. And I want to laugh. I want to laugh. It's a thing I look back know, on and want to laugh about. Not, <laughs> not only do I, did, I, did I enjoy it at the time, but it was so long ago. I know. So I've forgotten about it. And you know who must be even more excited about the existence of that movie? The people who are still working from home. Where they it's not even a reminiscence; it. it's like a funny depiction of their everyday reality. I I watch The Office, the most successful TV show of all time. The only show bigger than Wednesday.
1: There we, there we go, canceled now.
0: I can't their even say I like The Office. Fucking canceled. You watch? You don't even. No, like it's people. wild because you watch The Office, and I go, I cannot believe the people writing the show thought that michael scott was woke and correct at every moment they would get canceled if they made this now the whole point of this show is that they think everything he's doing is smart it's
1: always sunny in philadelphia airs new episodes every season
0: anytime anyone's
1: always like oh my god these guys would get i mean it's always sunny is on right now it's a huge hit to this day mindy kaling did a multi-episode arc two seasons ago on
0: it yes good for her I think what, that was probably one of those things. Oh, absolutely. I'm not being blaming her. Out of I'm just subject. saying, every fucking episode of The Office is Michael Scott or Dwight says something you should not say. And then another character looks at the camera and says, he shouldn't say that. Anyway, what was your point about The Office? Oh, just that they would get canceled today? My point was, when I watched The Office, I go, this is good. The one thing I wish is that none of these actors were in the same room at yes. the same time. No, don't give me that The chemistry know, in-person chemistry. It's too tight. You're <laughs>
1: right. They're reacting to each other too much. I it's
3: not believable, too, that they're making a documentary work from home. Anyway, but like separate screens. I mean, that that was, makes sense.
1: It was one of those things where I was like, a, you know, a year into lockdown, I was like, should I watch The Office? I mean, I watched all this other TV. Yeah, every episode. Put on one episode, episode. Yeah. Put on The Dundee. So I was like, I'll skip That's these. That's the four. same one I did. I put it on and I was like, 10 minutes in. I was like, do you not want to do that.
0: Never this? have to watch this No weekend. interest in this. No, no disrespect. Yeah. I was Happy just kind of like, don't you. like this vibe. Yeah. I don't need to ever rewatch this.
1: Selleck likes Key and Peele. That's yes. the point of that bullshit we just did. Right. He
0: suddenly sees. He's like... I see Wendell and Wilde in front of me. Here's right a now. comedy duo. And that they'll you go build Be a Selig. dynamic around. Here's a modern Martin and Lewis And fuck,
1: genre. I mean, they've already done it in Toy Story 4. I mean, not when he's at the time, but like, you know, the, the, their voice acting has been tapped a few times, right? Isn't there something else they did? Together? Is, that, is, that, is Toy Story 4 the only thing they did no, together? No, there's
0: another thing they did together and I'm trying to remember. Right? I mean, I just find it fascinating that, I mean, this is what we're going to get into now. But he basically just looks as the, at them as a comedic duo and says, these are maybe stars I could sell a movie around. Right. Their comedic personas. Right. This movie takes so long to get made that the thing that keeps it in the works that basically shields it from getting shut down at so many different points in time is that Jordan Peele ascends to becoming... Right. The
1: continued involvement of major success, Jordan Peele.
0: Right. right. Where now it gets to the point where you're like, this is maybe the last type they of... They played wolves in storks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, well, let me give you a little bit. But, but, but the the fact that this movie is now coming out and it's like, Jordan Peele does not perform at all anymore. The last time he performed in any capacity was Toy Story 4, which is now three years ago. And even that was like two years removed from the previous time he had performed. Right. He doesn't perform much anymore. But right. So this movie like comes into existence based on the idea of building a vehicle for well, them. And well, now it's... Well, well, well it's not on, just that on, though. Because, on. you know, he is a co-writer of the film. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, look. He
1: becomes the, the co-sort of creative force. He guy. finally gets in touch with them. Yeah. Keegan-Michael Keeley is like, you have a job for me? I can sign the contract right now. Yes, the man works a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you need me to bring my own wardrobe? Yeah, exactly. I can sell for poor local hire. I have three other things that day, but it's fine. I'll just, I'll just, I'll, get I'll just to... be in every place at once somehow. Yeah. Jordan Peele is like, well, hang on, you're Henry Selick. I love stop motion animation. Yes. Monkey Paw. My company has this beautiful stop motion uh, opening sequence.
0: Dad, does Monkey Paw exist at this point in time?
1: It no, might not, it but doesn't. but you know, I, I'm just pointing that out. Yes, uh, but
0: he is a huge Selleck fan. He knows Selleck by this name is and before, reputation. Yeah, right. Yes.
1: Um, and uh, he says, like, I'd love to be this movie. Would I would love this movie to be the kind of movie I would love as a, I loved as a kid these yeah. stop motion films. Like, uh, and uh, the other thing. Oh, this is interesting. Did you know this? Mm-hmm. Originally, the story was about the nuns. And Sister Helly, played by Angela Bassett in this mm-hmm. film, was the protagonist. Okay. And Jordan Peele was like, Cat should be the protagonist. Yes. This movie should be identifiable to kids. Yes. It'll be more accessible that way. I mean, this is the whole thing of Henry Selleck, where he's like... You know, Lassiter, always meddling with me. Metal, medal, medal. Anyway, with Monkey Bone, I wanted every character to be a 60s, you know, retired pitch man. Yes. And uh, with Wendell and Wilde, I figured the lead character would be a middle-aged nun, not the teen, the plucky teen. And Jordan Peel gave me that note. And as he says, it took a while to convince him, but he was eventually convinced. It's the easiest note in the world, Henry Selling.
0: I also think the movie was more thoroughly really about the demons at earlier points in time yeah that that count was incidental she still served the same function in the narrative but Peel was like why aren't we asking questions why would about... this not be the protagonist she's interesting yes
1: and here's the here's another and, and this is the story of Henry Selleck I swear to God here he is on developing the script with Peel. it was a back and forth I would take a stab he would rewrite he was more big picture big story he would get into the details of characters mm, sounds like Writing, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dramatic storytelling. Uh, It kind of went like that. Occasionally, he would take the first pass on a new thought. Here's the quote. He was really good at dealing with studio notes. He would calm me down. Yes. He just really needs a guy who's like, I have some clout. And you like me and I understand you, so I can kind of like... It's like, hey, uh, they don't want the movie to have the SO Tiger in it. And Henry Selleck is like, I'm opening a vein. I'm opening a vein. I'll, I'll fucking shoot you. He had and Bert- they, he's like, hey, calm down, calm down, calm- Hey, maybe wait, 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 we can figure this
0: out. Maybe the SO Tiger doesn't need to be in it. He had Burton doing that for him on I the first movie. Over that monkey bone. It's yeah, I know you're obsessed with it. Yes. Uh, uh, he, he had Burton, Burton doing that for him to a far lesser degree on the second movie. Yeah. Then Monkey Bone, he's got no one. And it's he like- had Bill Mechanic and the Bill Mechanic was right. gone. So right. then yes. during the actual miss of making the movie, it's chaos. Right. And then Leica, it's like here's like the biggest independent animation studio that is just gonna be hands off and let you do whatever the. But fuck Coraline is. is the most interesting one where
1: you're like, you know what? It does seem like he was pretty unfettered, and yeah. that is his best film. So maybe I should go fuck myself, and maybe sure. Henry Selick is right all the time. But it's just things when you hear like Jordan Peele being like, "Hey, the girl should be the protagonist of the film." Right. Henry Selick being like, "Wow, you're crazy. I guess we'll figure wonder, it out."
0: Look, I I'm sure. Like Jesus. I am sure there was validity to the idea that like, um, the Pixar brain trust was looking at shadow King in, if not a binary way through the prism of what had been successful for them and trying to get them to conform to their same storytelling sort of, uh, principles, which this is the same time that the brave thing goes down. It's the same thing where they're just like, she's like, I had this very personal story and they kept on saying, this is not how we do Pixar movies right you know like this is when the brain trust is starting to fall apart a little bit and it feels like they're meddling too much good dinosaur all this short of, sort of shit like that even dinosaur. said mm-hmm. <laughs> yes body <Bodied>. body <Bodied. laughs> kenny rogers roasted um it, there's the credit at the end of this film based on the book by henry selick and it's credited to a co-writer the book was never published
1: yes if that book exists in any form i'm unaware
0: I could not find I was like scared to see if anyone No I mean I like, I don't even know if he has the book. No. And when you hear him talk about it, it felt very sort of amorphous. Uh I would love to hear a more detailed accounting of like what did Selick have going in? What did Peel specifically pitch? I, I feel strong elements of both of them. I think Selleck, well here I'll give you a little more. I think Selick basically just had uh the character.
1: Uh-huh. Uh that's what it seems like cuz he did nine drafts with Peel. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get all it together. Um, the real world message of the film about the prison industrial complex, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little more, I'm sure. Um, Selleck credits a-, uh, a movie for kids. Yeah, right. right. Uh, Selleck credits a lot of that to his wife, okay, who for 10 years was an advocate for at-risk youth and special needs kids. I know about that pipeline. There was a lot of research done, but it was really about boiling that down to the essence. And Jordan was always good about that. But it's like, that's that's not a Selleck idea per se, or even a Jordan Peele idea. Like, Selleck's sure. sort of
0: drawing from his wife on that. But it was in the soup.
1: Yeah, it was in the soup from right. I-
0: immediately. And this sort of attempted revitalization of a town and... Yeah. Right. And yeah. then uh, in
1: case of Cat and her look, it was influenced by Afropunk, you know, modern movement that goes all the way back to the original, you know, punk movement. He says... Uh, but Jordan and me just really liked the look. You know, we really wanted her to look distinctive, all that stuff. We should talk about the soundtrack too later. We it's were. pretty fucking great. Um, ben was jamming
0: out. Hell yeah.
1: And uh, Netflix, the whole thing with Netflix is, I will say that I do hear this from
0: a lot of filmmakers. That once you get the green light, they are yeah. kind of like, okay, you know, go do it. It took a long fucking time. Right. When does Netflix announce this movie?
1: That's a good question. I'm sure I can find it. I'm not sure I, when.
0: 15 or 16? Yeah. It looks
1: like the most crucial thing they cleared with Netflix initially, though, uh-huh. was that the film will get a PG-13 rating. Right. He wanted to... Like, they yes. wanted to, like, lay out, like, can we make this film kind of, quote, unquote, grown up enough? Yeah. You know? Uh, and Netflix was okay with that. Because
0: an another case of a movie that feels like it's PG-13 just in sort of, like, and intellectual intensity. Right. There's not really anything objectionable that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's more of an attitude thing.
1: Yes, right. Film was made in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The most prominent reason for the long production project, I'm reading here that there was some kind of like pandemic due to a novel coronavirus.
0: I'm aware of this, but I still think there was they a, shut a, down for a longer than usual development time on this movie. From like the floating of Selick and Peel are working on something to Starkey and Peel to Netflix has acquired it to animation is actually starting was like 4 or 5 years versus what's maybe usually a year, a right. year and a half. Yeah, I mean it- it took a while, apparently, the wildfires messed with them, apparently. it felt a little shadow kingy where you're like, "Are we just going to hear at some point that this thing just got shut down quietly right? And then they finally start animation. the pandemic starts, they shut down, and then the sort of uh bananas thing about this film is most of this film was animated remotely, like animators crazy. moved sets into their homes right and were in isolation, working on their own sections. that's bananas, yeah.
1: Selick post Coraline is getting more and more hostile to 3D animation. He doesn't like how slick and perfect it is, he says. Sure. He said Coraline was maybe a little too smooth and he wanted to go a bit backwards and show off the artifice with this right. movie, he says. As we
0: mentioned. Leica has just started cleaning up more and more and more and using more digital aid in these things. They, he keeps the seams in the faces the entire movie. Uh, right. That's I, one thing. I he think wanted that's become he e- want, he to become industry standard to erase. And those are the seams from the replacement faces to swap out the expressions.
1: Yeah. Phil Knight apparently really hated the seam lines is one thing Salek said. So like that's I one. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one reason he gets to do it now. Now that he's free of the Nike Why wouldn't family. you stitch that over um, with no. a Nike swoosh? <laughs> yeah. Why won't you pay a child to do that? What? Oh. Uh, uh, okay. Bad guy. Watch Clay Dream. It does not make <laughs> yeah. him seem very endearing. Or right. his
3: dumbass son.
1: Um, as you've mentioned on his previous episodes, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, Zelek is kind of bringing the artwork of Tim Burton to life. Yes. James and the Giant Peachy got Lane Smith. Coraline, we talk about uh, Tadahiro Useg yes. Usuki. Um, I'm Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, okay. Wendell and Wilde, Argentinian artist, Pablo Lobato, yes, is the big inspiration for the look of a lot of these guys. Uh, you can Google him if you want to sort of like get a sense of
0: it. Yes, his Instagram page has a lot. His work is most known through the New Yorker. I think it is the New Yorker, right? He so does some a lot major, of illustrations yeah. for their profiles or their reviews. Sure. So, like, he does a lot of these uh, caricatures, uh, but he's got a very unique style. That's sort of a Picasso, very shape based, almost cutout style that is inherently very two dimensional, right? Very flat, and it's like Selleck almost perversely picks a design language that he loves that should not be, it should not be possible to adapt into three dimensions and goes to his modeling teams and goes like, here are Pablo's flat drawings, figure out how to build this.
1: Yes, which he does say was quite challenging to yes. do. Um, but the initial thing they do is they take these caricatures of Key and Peel themselves right. and they turn them into puppets. yes. And they convince Key Peel, like, isn't this good? Cause Key and Peel were apparently like, we don't know if we want to like, you know, be represented in the film basically as ourselves.
0: Especially at this point in time, you're like, that's the selling point. No one knows it's the selling point of from the twisted mind of Jordan Peel or right. whatever. It's Key and Peel as a comedy duo. You also have to remember at this point in time, everyone assumes Key and Peel are just gonna become like a comedy movie team powerhouse. Like there was this expectation of like, Keanu, great, they'll make their first movie. It probably will work. And then there'll be a new Key and Peele movie every two or three years. They felt more suited to making that kind of leap than anyone in a while. Right. It is funny that, like, Keanu ends up being kind of here, neither here nor there, and Peele immediately just pivots to, like, you know what? I'm going to make the movies I've always wanted to make. Right. And, like, gives up on performing. And now Key and Peele's a comedy duo only exists in animation because animation takes so long it's like right. the vestiges of things over. they put into work. Yeah, I don't know what years the
1: status of their relationship is. They seem to still be. On they did good press terms. for
0: this movie together, it, like, but it, it is interesting.
1: Yeah, I just always wonder with that kind of a thing of where course. it's like, hey, one of you became one of the most celebrated artists alive, and right. the other one of you is Keegan Michael Key, who's like doing fine. Heart- working man in show. Business. Like, but like, Doesn't what is that same? Like? Yeah. yeah,
0: no, it's odd. It's odd. Mm. I just, I, it just felt, especially because the show was so cinematic. Yeah. Well, that was always what was so magical about it, right? Or like. At least plausible about them making movies, right? They, I, I just I think it felt like well, obviously these guys will make a bunch of films. Their natural chemistry when they do the wraparounds, the bumpers, are so good. Yeah, I would watch these two guys playing versions of themselves. I'd also watch them playing characters. I could watch them in a genre riff. I could watch them in a low key buddy comedy, whatever it is. And now it's like here's this movie where Selleck is almost weaponizing. Like we have to make the characters caricatures of them, almost like it's the incredible Mr. Limpet or something where you're like, their face needs to be on screen. I th- And I'm sure you'll agree. It's so
1: interesting the way it looks two-dimensional and three-dimensional at the same time. Yes. Like,
0: especially with them. Well, they go through different stages, different that's, puppets. That's right. When yeah, they're yeah, yeah. on a, a buffalo, um, a Beazle, what's his name? Um, Belzer. Buffalo Belzer. When they're like on his head, on his belly they're purposefully making the heads of the puppets as flat as possible. Right, right. And then when they come into the real world, they become more three-dimensional. They were kind of... Lou Romano, who everyone must know from,
1: uh, you know, didn't he work on... He was Linguini in Linguini,
0: right? Yeah, 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 That's what I thought. Yeah. But he's also one of the best sort of character designers, right. uh, art directors, and animation. He worked
1: on The Incredibles and all kinds of stuff.
0: Worked on Iron Giant, has worked with Selick before. Right, particularly because of The Incredibles,
1: which has that similar kind of like 2D, 3D yes. thing, you know... They were like, "You'll be perfect for him." They were inspired by things like wooden masks, African masks, you know, Absolutely. stone carvings. Yeah. That all makes sense.
0: I think you see a lot of that with the uh, with Cat's parents.
1: Yes, right. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh,
0: they do use a little CG, uh, just I
1: guess to make some of the stop motion like execute a little simpler. I don't know. It's sort of but sort of vague use it keeps
0: to more. a minimum. He's not trying to cover up the imperfections of this medium he's trying to embrace them uh they
1: find lyric ross she's on this is us uh-huh. and uh i don't know he really wanted someone who is not like too disney i think sure which i i think successful in that right. regard yeah and you know this movie has an interesting cast we'll talk about it now yeah got key and peel but less of a vehicle for
0: them than you would imagine
1: right i thought they were gonna be yes all over this thing absolutely
0: but they are prominent obviously yeah, Angela like they're Bassett, they're juicy in the movie, and that it's like, well, it's really about Lydia. Yeah, right. And they're in it. Yes, they're yeah. the most colorful characters. Right. Yeah.
1: And then you have like Angela Bassett is a big name, but then I would say pretty much, and Ving Rames as as Buffalo Bells are. Yeah. which I, I love. Ving Rames. fucking wolf
0: whistled in the theater when his name came up at the end. A hundred percent.
1: But then after that, I feel like he's mostly using character actors like James yep. Hong, Maxine Peake, David Harewood. James Hong,
0: fascinatingly, the other one who is caricatured off of himself. He kind of looks like James oh, Hong. Oh, absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah, looks yeah, yeah, like yeah, James yeah. Hong. And it feels like he's, yeah. It's a big, complicated movie. It is. Look, I, I, I feel like this is one of those episodes where people are going to be like, they're pretending to like this movie because they don't want to end on a bummer, Right. And the reality is, I think all three of us really like this movie a lot. However, in talking about this movie, it is kind of hard to not make it sound bad because there are a lot of ways in which I think this film ultimately works in spite of itself mm. because it does a lot of things that on paper sound catastrophic just in terms of being so dense and so plot heavy that essentially it has to spend the first two thirds of its running time setting up things- everything. Everything
1: about this movie while I was watching it the first time that I was just like, did I, I, didn't you know, I had entered on time. I was like, did I miss a yes. scene? Was there something explaining who Belzer
0: is or why they live on him? Because well, like, it's this weird contradiction of like, it's both moving so fast yeah. and also an hour and 15 minutes in. You're like, I still think the plot hasn't yeah, gotten I, into motion. I guess the stakes are almost set up now. Like, right. kind of. And I, I'm watching and going, look, this is visually a thrill. It's, full of fun ideas. I'm happy he got to make another movie again. Obviously this thing is a mess. And then there's truly just the point like 2 thirds in where it clicks and he basically like lays it out and on everyone's the table, there. Everyone's diving. now ready. Like, and and you're used. like you know what? Every single character he set up now serves an important function. Every plot thread he set up, every visual idea he set up, like everything does ultimately pay off. Yes, but it does feel like a movie unlike his
1: earlier films. Yes forgetting monkey bone that like a kid could maybe not grapple with.
0: absolutely you'd
1: need to pretty much be a teenager maybe just below you know like 10 11 12 like if i put this in you know a six-year-old in front of this i feel like they would just lose interest i think so too. because it's all like there's just so many new things and it's sort of hard
0: to, to tell how it's connected and even the stuff like wendell and Wilder, are the characters that would appeal most to a kid usually yeah. in terms of energy comedically and all of that your introduction you're just like As an adult, it is hard to parse. Okay, they live on the head of a giant demon man who is their father. His belly is a theme park for dead souls. Yes. Their job is he's insecure about his hair loss. So they have to rub magic hair cream into his skull. Correct. In order to grow his hair back. And then they realize that the magic hair cream has the ability to bring the dead back to life because it is the the cure for baldness we don't have in our society that fully brings things 100% back to life that are dead. It can be used not just on dead hair cells, it can be used on full living creatures. Any soul that has died. But here's the other thing And all forgetting. that is communicated, like, just hit the ground running. But you're forgetting something. Yeah. Not just all that. They secretly harbor a desire
1: to make their own amusement Correct. park. And that's sort of their quest. Right. Their reason for wanting to leave Belzer's hair andor chest
0: also the reason they realize chest. that the hair cream has the ability to bring the dead back to life is because uh Wendell is peel Wendell is key, and okay, Wild, Wild is peel Wild has been eating the cream because it gets him high yeah, it makes him feel all tingly it makes his tummy feel all tingly right um. Yes, incredibly complicated. Yes, now, now the and obviously part,
1: Wilde is a sort of like round and sort of cheerful guy, and Wendell is kind of wiry and a little more antagonistic. Manic. Yes.
0: and Wendell's got... It, what's interesting is it's like the same dynamic, because it doesn't feel like this was the default dynamic they had on the show. No, they would switch. I right. Mean, they
1: were good at it, yeah.
0: Toy Story 4 gives them basically the exact same dynamic, yeah. where the one guy's the motormouth, high-strung idea man we gotta do this and the other guy's kind of like the good-natured stoner
1: they're so funny in toy story 4 i think they're so funny Th-
0: those characters work so well those and when, when that first fucking teaser wild. came out it was them doing the knees and shit were like oh, shit. jesus christ you're we like come on is this what this fucking movie's gonna it,
1: be it wasn't anything wrong with what they were doing you were just sort of like that's
0: all they've got is just like they're literally just adopting it's and key d- and peel i'm right. like i can watch key and peel like why do i need this d- ducky and bunny hit they're really funny. And I think they're funny in this too. But it also starts out and you're like, wait, so they're the villains in this? That's kind of surprising to make them the villains. Does that limit how funny they can be? And then the more the movie goes on, you're like, they're kind of innocent. Yes. They're they're not
1: innocent. Like they they do. Bad no, but they're things. they're babes in the wood. They don't really know what they're doing.
0: Absolutely. Right. Unlike Beetlejuice, who, like, operates from a place of, the, like, pure malevolence, right? And
1: Beetlejuice is the classic, like, don't make a bargain with a demon. Of like, course. that guy has his own ulterior motives.
0: Right. They do, too, but their ulterior motive is to make an amusement park. This is the thing. <laughs> like, I, that's I, I what think, they really want to do. I think this is one of the many things Henry Selig is trying to work through in this movie, is, like, they are artists, Right? right? Yes. They have this vision of this they have thing they want to These paper cutouts. Do. Right? Yes. Yeah. When they talk about it it's about how much other people will enjoy it. They want to share this with other people. But unfortunately their chosen artistic medium involves so much financial capital yeah that the only way to get the thing made is to make faustian bargains with horrible people. You have to align yourself with the worst institutions, old money, sort of cover your eyes and not look at, like, who's getting thrown into the, the furnace in order to allow your funding to go through, right? Yes. That's this whole thing. They start, like, aligning themselves with these horrible cultural forces because they're like, but ultimately the theme park will make people happy, right? It's worth it if... And it's like, this is being made by a guy who is his chosen artistic medium is so expensive, yeah, so time and labor intensive, Right, That the ask is so huge right. to get it off the ground. Th- there's always going to be something the, vaguely You're going to have to make a deal with the devil in some way to or To some other. degree. Yes. Yeah.
1: So you got Willem's own wow. They're eating magic hair cream. They want to make an amusement park. They live inside someone's hair. It does
3: really sound like we're just saying gibberish. Right. I
1: mean, and they were the thing, especially in those early scenes, where I truly was just sort of like, I mean, remember, I hadn't slept, yeah. but I was like, I I'm, I must have missed something. Like, there's well, especially as some
3: a rule lover. Like, you're just like...
1: Yeah. I don't get it. What is this? And it's also been enough time since Selick that I think I forgot, like, Henry Selleck films always have an underworld. Yes. That's just accepted. We don't need to even think about the fact that there's an underworld.
0: But this is why it's all the more disorienting is because let's back up, like, seven minutes. The first seven minutes of this film are, like, about as grounded as Selick ever gets. Yeah, I mean... Is it seven? Really? The whole you mean her family, like yeah. that. Is it that long? I was scanning. Yeah, okay. I watched yeah. it again last night. Me too. Yeah. I think it's about seven minutes before the the proper introduction of Wendell and Wilde on the head, yeah. right? Uh, because you start with the cold open in the car, the car crashes into the bar. She's listening to X-ray specs on the radio. Yeah.
1: Yep. I mean, the whole fucking soundtrack is absolutely amazing.
0: Wall to wall punk soundtrack, uh, basically. Yes. Uh Kat, uh her parents own a root beer brewery in yes. Rust bank right Right. that's the name of the town This kind of like incredible revitalized town with this active art scene local businesses yeah uh and she sees a worm a two-headed worm in her apple yeah but they're at the celebration of like look the fair every this town works we've done it we brought such life we've created a community they've referenced the buyout in this opening to... Clax Corp, Yeah. Yes.
1: Right. And her surprise at the... Oh, she yells. The dad gets distracted. They drive off the bridge. The parents die. She blames classic. herself. The kid blames themselves. Yes. Very the, doll. Right. She yeah. is now an embittered, punky, juvenile delinquent.
0: The opening credits happen over her escaping from the car, rising to the surface. Her parents are dead at the right. bottom of the scene.
1: And then she names right. her demons and then we meet her demons. But then it's like she's going to... Right, but then then she
0: says in the narration, like, everyone has their demon, mine have names. And you're like, I'm sorry, where did the demons come into this? Then you go back to, like, family friend driving her in a van to the girl's school that she has to go to. Yeah. They take her out of uh, a juvie, right? Picks her up, and basically is like, this is your last chance. You have to make this work. I made a promise to your parents. Uh, She shows up at this school. All Girls Catholic School? Uh Uh-huh. Run by an
1: elderly asian priest played, played by james, by james hong. hong who's always walking on a treadmill great performance he's really, really funny good, in this really funny. i love
0: him in this i yeah. mean
1: i think he's just always so funny arguably
0: yeah. the true villain of this movie
1: well no the class guy. Uh, no, guys it's the
0: play way up there though
1: well but he's kind of he sort of is like just a more advanced thing where he's like he just wants his but he's so in bed with bad people to keep the school running. right?
0: Permit anything.
1: Uh, And she is sort of like, they're getting money for her to go to the school, right? Like it's sort of part of it. Like, you know, she's like almost like a work release.
0: Which is all, I mean, it it ties into the whole thing this film wants to say about for-profit prisons and everything. But yes, this school is like the last part of this town that is in any way alive. And even they are basically hemorrhaging money. And by taking in this uh, juvenile delinquent they they accept money as you know whatever, whatever. Yes.
1: to be her guardians in yes. a way
0: um cat meets three preppy girls
1: uh-huh. the main one is called siobhan mm-hmm. uh she's voiced by tamara smart who's uh on the worst witch and other okay. various things um but she is the daughter of the Claxons, uh-huh. who are the heads of this private prison company that run Did the town
0: what a great performance playing black trump
1: uh Yes, uh, Lane Cox and uh, Maxine Peak, uh-huh, who I think a lot of people in Britain would know. She's in Shameless, she's in Dinner Ladies, she's in lots of things. Uh, incredible rules. character
0: designs on these. Yes.
1: Stories. She is sort of the Joanna Lumley character design. Yes. Like, you know, again, yes. he loves a long, spindly woman. Right. There's right. Always, Jennifer Saunders. There's right. She's always you know, the you know.
0: ghoulish woman, over made up, overly right. made up. Right. Yeah.
1: They like Kat because, partly because Kat saves one of them from a falling brick like yes. by the the, co- the, the
0: three right. the three young girls yes. yes which raul knocks someone who is a, a a trans boy who goes to the boarding school and is sort of isolated away from everyone else
1: he's he's separate but right yeah. but
0: like what i i just kind of like that like they're not bullies
1: really yeah they're kind of like hey welcome to clicking cats like not interested She's right i don't right. want to do it right
0: but i like that they're like basically friendly and i i think this whole like it's it's similar to the sort of the boredom sequences in Coraline, where uh everyone's kind to Cat, right? Yes, There's just this as prickly, very as she quiet is. sadness. She has
1: a cool boombox with a big eye it was
0: on her it. her dad's boombox.
1: Very cool. That this family friend is giving back to. This ben, is also- surely you love this boombox with a big bloodshot eye on um, it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's right. like so fucking customized and fucking like the the era of boomboxes when it was like
0: you know, huge, and it was, like, a statement that you would walk around I with. I love that, like, that's the family heirloom.
3: Yeah. You know? It's not right. like
0: she's got a locket with her parents in or whatever. It's, like, her dad's cool, customized, painted boombox. And just, like, his, his cassette tapes right. his collection. of his, like, punk, like, very
3: specific 80s new wave. You have two X-Ray spec songs. You have X as well, right? Uh, there's, um... I just had the soundtrack yeah, let me yeah. find the brought soundtrack, up here. Yeah. Okay, so you have Death freaking out. Right, Death. I'm sorry, I was thinking of Death. Yes. Um, you have the specials, specials Ghost down, which rules. Uh, Fishbone, Fishbone, of course, which also uh, they there's a f- a lot of Fishbone sort of merch featured throughout right. the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, And then,
1: you know, TV on the radio for the big final sequence. Of course. Yes. And there's even uh, some newer bands,
3: too. The one I want to shout out, Special Interest, a Mm. great band. Mm. Their song, Young,
1: Gifted, Black and Leather, Fucking Rules.
3: Uh, Yeah, it's killer. It's really good.
1: This is the thing, though, Griffin. It's like the amount of characters, because it's like she goes to the school. Who's at the school? James Hong is the administrator of the school. Angela Bassett is a kindly nun at the school. There's three girls. Who are kind of a clique? Then there's, um, you know, uh, Raul, who yeah. is is separate from them, but is also becomes friend to Cat. There's the old Jewish demonologist in the basement, correct?
0: Played by an Israeli actor named Egal Naor. and a puppet that Manberg. feels specifically modeled after late period Marlon Brando, right? Or something like that. It's how such much he looks like. look. Yeah,
1: perfect example. When the, when um Hallie the nun goes yeah. to Heli, uh goes to see him, and she's like. Come on, you know, like, I know you need to collect your thing. I'm just right. like, wh- again, did I miss something? Was this addressed? Who
0: is this? It feels like if in the opening, this is Halloween sequence of Nightmare Before Christmas, instead of being a song, it was 10 minutes of dialogue across 18 scenes where they tried to set up each of the denizens of the town as if they had an important plot function. And you're like, why am I tracking the melting man in the suit? And then here are some other Rather characters. Rather than him yes, just being a fun background character. Exactly. Everyone's being put, like, uh, given a sense of importance that you cannot understand.
1: Raul's mother, Mariana, yes. who's play, voiced by Natalie Martinez is like convinced right they cut
0: out to her with her fucking yes she's red convinced yarn. like the
1: claxons burned down the root beer factory years yeah. ago and she's trying to figure that out and she's like on the city council or whatever yes. then there's the character you mentioned before i think her name's miss hunter who's played by tantu
0: cardinal a really good performance yeah yep.
1: who's uh you know uh, she's um you know first nations uh, from canada mm-hmm. uh like she's sort of floating around she's like an old friend who's there right. to help out there's just like this vast web of characters who are
0: all somewhat connected. And even later, you introduce, like, the doctor who's on the board along with Raul's mom and then, like, the, the dead... Uh, well, then uh, we'll get know, to that. Right. Yeah, the dead council people. It's a right. lot. But, like, so when you cut to Buffalo Belzer's head seven minutes in... Right. It's almost disorienting now to have the movie slow down to, like, Henry Selleck pure vibes where you're like, now this movie's operating on, like, it's
1: breakneck
0: yes no no it is because up until this point's it been very plotty and sellick is not a plotty filmmaker he's so much more about mood and characters yeah uh and i think his he tells stories his stories have movements but he's not really concerned about plot mechanics by and large right like we talked about something like james the giant peach is very picker-esque right Number Before Christmas has, like, one major objective that everyone's no, right, on. And then this is just so much plot. Right. It's where you're just like, has he fucking lost it? Because we haven't even gotten to that, like,
1: she then gets a skull on her hand, which is a Well, sign. that's what
0: I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, it's
3: already complicated. Yes.
1: And then, on top of it, you're supposed to get your head around
3: how this demon relationship works. Right. Which right. is... Really complicated and not anything like you've heard before. It's not like even
1: like
0: pulling no, it's from not from reference from... material no, she's in any way.
1: A hell maiden. Yes. Which is a thing you can be. Yes. And that comes with a unique power, uh-huh. but that's different for
0: everybody. Yes.
1: A skull on your hand. Uh-huh. And a connection to the
0: underworld. Of some sort. Right, so now she has these designated demons. Which she doesn't know about, right. but they know about her all of a sudden. Right, and Wendell and Wilde didn't force this connection. No, the they just portal... identify her when they're like in a dream with right. her. Right, basically opens up and then they go, oh, we could use her to our ends to help make our theme park thing a reality. Well, no, you forget it's the Belzebair. Then she steals a right, stuffed bells, bear. Because
3: the bear is like some kind of weird possessed connection to the demon world. She like burns
1: the
0: hand on the bear. Yeah, it yeah. is funny. It is like,
1: funny. I to, like, there's a couple times the camera like zooms in on the bears as impassive. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But like she summons Wendelin Wilde using the bear and her hell powers. Yeah. There's that great shot of them like coming up from underneath and then like they go like,
0: you know, like that, yes. like, like oh, this like so thing good. comes down and right. it like diverts them. Like they're like a well, little that happens later That's when they're actually rising up to the level. That's what I'm saying. She gets them. She summons but them. But there's that conversation. The first time she has the conversation They're like in a them. dream. Right. And yeah. it's like, I-, I think what they've done is built giant puppets of just their heads because it looks like the faces are articulated rather than it being like replacement face animation. It looks like there's a giant rubber face and they are individually animating the lips and things like that. They look humongous. I know when they, at the end of the movie, they're all in Buffalo Belzer's hand. Yes. They built that to scale. Yeah. So they're not cheating and putting like smaller versions of the characters in a smaller hand. The hand is like 15 feet tall. And you see some in the credits, some
1: of the, you know, classic behind the scenes stuff of like those big puppets in the the head, which is really
0: cool you
1: see the post-credits
0: thing where she's, like, "It's on great, animator's desk? Yeah, it's really cute. But that's the weird work from home thing. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, they rise up. They basically realize we have this cream. Right. They promise we will revive
1: your parents. We have that power to her. That's, that's how they're, that's how well, they're right. getting it. First, interested. they right. say
0: to her, like, help us start our amusement park. She's like, you need to help bring my parents back to life. They're like, we can't do that. She's like the no deal. They realize they have the cream. Right. They're gonna get in trouble if they use it.
1: There's the whole sequence where they put it on the bug that's squashed and they keep yes. like reconstituting the bug. Fun. Very fun.
0: But your brain is switching between like left brain, right brain shit.
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: anytime you're caught up in the world of the town, it's very literal. <laughs> It's, it's very, like, angry, political, pointed stuff. Yeah, yes.
3: I mean, there's a trans character, and so it's like, there's just a lot of different, like, the- themes and topics
0: going on. Versus yes. when we're in the underworld, it's like crazy cartoon logic, flights of fancy, Henry Selick getting caught up on visual ideas. Like, I which don't, I love. It just me too, boring. but I'm like,
1: who is Buffalo Belzer? Right. What is his role in, like, the spirit world? Right. If
0: anything, or is he just chilling? And here's the thing. We don't ask these same questions of someone like Oogie Boogie. No, because he's the boogeyman. Yeah, it also helps that like Night Before Christmas doesn't start with 10 minutes of like the political infrastructure of a well, small town. But this
1: is the whole thing. Is this I, like, I want to make it
0: clear. I like this movie Me a too, lot. but it is... I
1: had forgotten, ex- and you know, and then I rewatched the movie. I'm like, yeah. right, the whole city council plot. Yes. Right. The movie begins with her parents dying, but then when we return to her... There are characters who are like, in the intervening years, the factory burned down, and we want to deal with that. I'm like, why do I care about this? This
0: town has died. There no win- but it's just... all part of this sort of like, right, this civic loss. Yes.
1: Like, this town was good. Now it's bad. It's been taken over by this prison, this private prison conference. Is it sort of trying to be like
3: Detroit- Adjacent-ish is that what we feel maybe, like? Maybe I don't because I don't. I, I just it's hard again to like read. I said I there are like, many examples. He said like Steel my wife town, works for that
1: sort of like Rust Belt. I maybe. just because like the whole idea is like cat. Is sort of maybe on the road to like, oh, she'll end up in one of these private prisons, right? She's a juvie already. She's on this sort of like, no one's gonna help her. The system is stacked. Is caught up
0: in the headspace of I'm doomed, who should save me? I I don't deserve to be saved. Like, even when people reach out a helping hand to her, she's like, I'm a fucking lost cause. Absolutely. But yes, the, the 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 brief glimpse of the town you get at the beginning of the movie feels like a utopia. It was once, right. Yeah. Right. And then it it is this notion of, like, what systems in place stopped this? Why wasn't this allowed to thrive? Why wasn't this allowed to exist? So, first they revive
1: James Hong's character, Father Best, who has been murdered by the Klaxons. Yes. Or getting too close to their... They kill him early. Like, in an insane, quick... Yes. Like,
3: without thinking about it too much way.
1: Right. Right. Like, they're playing golf with him, and then they kill him because he was the last witness to the factory fire and they drown right. him. Right. Wendell and Wilde bring him back to
0: life. and then What's paint- the thing? They need him to approve where he makes the crack about, well, you're not going to get those votes unless we, the, those members come back to life of the board. Yeah, I know. Whatever remember. their newest construction. They need something. The bigger prison. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. But he plants that
1: idea. And again, in the middle of all this, it's been established that cat is a hell maiden. It's been established that there's a guy in the basement of the school who hunts demons and puts them in bottles.
0: This movie is just basically for the first 15 minutes saying, let's just put a pin in this and we'll come back to yeah, it. Right, 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 right. Over and over and over again. And you're starting to go like, guys, too much. I'm the, looking the, at a lot of pins on the wall. And it's like, <laughs> I'm holding a plate with a lot of drinks and it's yeah, wobbling. Right.
1: They bring back Father Best. They paint uh, his face with makeup, which is funny. Really funny. Uh, He is a living corpse, but he is basically himself. Yes. Sort of works.
3: Yeah. I love how when he comes back, he's like, yes, I've returned. Yes. I'm here again. Don't worry about it. Like, and and it's just very silly. And it's starting to get more fun. Yes. You
0: know, like now we're getting into it. Because now it becomes the thing of reviving the dead. They realize in talking to him, they're not going to be able to uh, open their theme park unless they get approval. Yeah. To build on the land. Right. But they, they can only they do too need
1: the, the The dead board members. The, the, they need the to revive council. the dead members of the city council. Yes. And the Claxons are like, well, we need them for our thing, but they can also vote for your thing. Right. And so Wendell and Wilde are like, okay. And so they bring them back, and it's very funny. Yes. Because they are old beyond old skeleton they're skeleton people and they're all different one of them's like a fucking admiral (laughs) they all have different outfits yes uh and it's such a clever idea it's an idea that makes me laugh so much yes like what if you brought back new york's city council from like the 18th century and there was someone was like well there's nothing in the book that says they aren't you know voting members i guess they have to be listened to it's funny it's very funny Where's Kat in all this? Kat also makes them swear some kind of bond to her, kind of by mistake. Well, she's trying to revive her
0: own parents. I know, but they're not dealing with that. No. (laughs) It's sort of hard to keep the threat. Raul needs to be her witness. And the story gets to revive Wendell and Wilde. That's what she needs. But it's like sometimes they'll just
3: throw out a piece of information where you're like, and you need a witness. And it's like, right. oh, why? <laughs> but I, mean, I understand but why okay. you're doing this. All right. right?
1: whatever. You need another character to be that's there. That's the thing. No, that's the thing. When she revives them, that's the whole thing. They get diverted yes. by that weird thing right. that I was saying. Right. And they, so they, they don't pop show up, up in
0: the wrong place. She doesn't interact. So with she doesn't them. even yes. see
1: them. Right. They bring back best. Then they bring back the council members. The council members start to cause havoc. Yep. But then Raul steals the cream, yes. seeing how it works, right. Right. and right. revives her parents himself. Right.
0: Raul witnessed all of it happen because Raul is on the top of the the building, on the top of the church or whatever. I mean, this is—our our friends at Podcast the Ride just did an episode on the Kingdom Hearts franchise did they oh i should listen to that it's really great yeah and they uh despite being like theme park people and disney you know people obsessed with the disney company all this sort of shit had never touched kingdom hearts and it was a thing where like the listeners were like you have to do an episode trying to wade through this mythology and a lot of the episodes the fun of scott just reading through the rules of the lore of kingdom heart which is so much more confusing than you could ever imagine it to be uh, great episode everyone subscribe for the second gate worth it but um, it's a similar thing where you just have to accept every time they tell you. And, of course, this happens because of this. In this world, the heartless, of course, manifest in different worlds. Each tenant of a person's heart is represented by a different princess. They all exist in different places. Like, you know. Yeah. You're just like, that's what it- the hell made the thing. You that's, just have to Those that. are the rules because those are the rules. Those are the rules because those are the rules. Exactly. So the parents
1: do come back. Yes. And they are nice. Yes. But of course, the fundamental thing about this is like the cream only works for so long and there's only so much of it. They realize this this. is not an infinite thing.
0: Right. Fairly late. But there's the great scene where uh, Pat goes back to her childhood home and it's like her finally being willing to revisit the trauma and they're there. Yes. And it's like both the exact thing she's always dreamed of and the most nightmarish version of it possible where her parents are corpse people who just woke up and are like, what the fuck happened to everything?
1: Yes. She still has barely interacted with Wendell and Wilde.
0: Correct. And we're like more than halfway into the movie. Right. It's you're an like, hour
1: and 45 minutes long.
0: Yeah. You're like this. And the
1: credits are fairly long.
0: Yeah. This movie is like split off into two halves that barely touch each other. And they just seemingly keep on adding more things to the plate. And then there's the moment where the whole thing fucking finally clicks. which I think is when the daughter goes and confronts her parents.
1: Yeah, it's like Siobhan goes to
0: see her parents. She
1: discovers their lies, Right. I guess. Like, they're like, oh, these private prisons are nice. And it's like, no, you pack in more people, you get more money, you know, it's like...
0: You get money from the government. Google the The prison industrial complex, fellas. Right. And they're like, it doesn't benefit anyone to have a town with a thriving black community. It does not help anyone to have an art scene. It does not help anyone. But it's also like, We don't care about rehabilitating people in these prisons. That's the The, biggest thing.
1: Having them in here is the money. Oh,
3: no. These people are fucking monsters. Yes. They look at human beings in a way that, like, it's alarming.
1: Yeah, but luckily this is a fantasy.
3: It's a fantasy film
0: with no basis in reality. No, of course not.
3: No, I mean, it's like, it's, I mean... I'm glad they're spot like he's spotlighting this. It's tissue. a very
1: interesting
0: thing to make a film, about. Yeah, but holy right. shit! They're like, look if the if the prisons were successful in rehabilitating people, we What's go out of business. The the town cannot have any health to it because then you are giving people opportunities to build lives for themselves rather than having to default. These people eat babies. That's
3: how bad they're they horrendous. Are. They're like horrendous. Like I I like couldn't re- rewatching it and I'm again I'm like. Just seeing these characters right. have a daughter and exist and, like, have a
0: life, I'm like, these are true monsters. And they also, they, they deliver this to her in a, like, we're finally ready to teach you about the family business. Like, it's not even delivered as this, like, villains, like, great Ozymandias and here's right. the whole time, you know, like, secret thing. Yeah. It's like, I think you're old enough to understand the great way that we make a lot of money. They're so embarrassed by what they're saying. And they're like, and it's about to get better. Right. So, at some point, Hallie and Men- Manberg. Manberg, Yes. Because Hallie has, at this point, confessed to Kat that she, too, is a helmet. Yeah,
1: but she's spending the whole movie being like, you have to listen to me. I know how this works. And Kat's like, I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. um, But they eventually are like, you need to sever your ties mm-hmm. with Wendell and Wilde, who you've barely interacted with. Right. But you've
3: made a promise to them. You're sworn so to them. So, therefore, you're now yes. yes. sworn to them.
1: So, you have to undo that, which is intense. Yes. And in doing that, she kind of finally is, like, getting over the parent's death,
0: right? This incredible sequence yeah. where they, like, essentially have to make, like, a blood pact. Right. Bind their hands together by rimid, They're two demon hands. And then you have this extended, like, shadow puppet sequence. Right. Which is really cool. That is like can't living through the basic the car accident I, the car accident, but also like the things that put her in juvenile detention right, right there's right, the right. sort of like accidental like death or injury with the staircase there's all this sort of stuff that makes her feel like she is not worthy of rehabilitation, which is uh, you know the whole other thing this movie's into of just like creating the mindset in people that they don't deserve better that there is no other outcome for them that there is no way for them to ever build a better life for themselves you don't want to give people hope and Kat has so fully bought into this right into that sort of way right that she is forced to like accept that and and, and i think is what is interesting is this movie doesn't want to wave some magic wand and go everything is fixed no one did anything wrong everything's good it's like uh, many of the good characters in this movie have both good and bad qualities and have done bad things for good reasons and good things for bad reasons and what have you. You have, like, the fucking Klaxons who are uh, monsters who deserve to die in the fiery pits of hell. But, like, they don't go, like, Cat was framed. No.
1: No, I suppose you're right. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. No, she's not in a whatever. She's, I mean, she's a child.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, yes. And she's had a hard go. With she's this. had it's a hard
1: go. I mean, life. her parents died. She got put
3: into like you know the the foster system. It's a bad
0: system. This is what the whole fucking movie is about. The whole system's bad. It feeds off of people giving in and giving up.
1: You know? Yeah. In severing her connection with Wendell, she gains full access to her precognitive powers. Yes. Hallie is also kind of like. Uh, left kind of dead, not dead, but like she's like depleted by the ritual, right? Like she's right, the,
0: yes, right, yeah.
3: I'm not, yeah.
0: Um, so. yes. Once again, it, it there's a whole would take this uh, ten watches of this movie to be able to. Yeah,
3: I've seen it three times. I the... watched it kind of recently, and I just
1: I like, cannot. No, what happens is Wendell and Wild steal her parents. They take them to the cemetery. Uh-huh. Siobhan realizes that the money. The Claxons have been promising Wendell and Wilde as seed money for their amusement park yes. is like fake money. It's right. like Claxon Bucks. Bucks. Right. Klax exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Um, Buffalo Bells are finally bursts out of the ground. Right. Having been like searching for his lost demons. Yes. But then there's like a mural that Raul has painted. Yes. That he's been working on for the whole movie. Correct. That convinces him, like, ah, they're not so bad, my kids. Like, and so he's not going to, like, squish them. He's going to, like, make up for them. Make right, up and for there's
0: them. also this realization of you have chased all your other children away. Yes, right. That's what, because Wendell and Wilder are, like, his last uh, two children. You've tried to force your own wills. You tried to force your children into being you rather than letting them be who they want to be and follow their own bliss. These are the last two. And he's like, I I need to love my sons for who they are. I need to accept it. I'm not even going to be angry at them using this cream to revive the dead. Oh, by the way, you know the cream doesn't really work. The hair falls out like almost immediately. Right. The cream is temporary. So this is when they find out, oh, everyone's
1: going to go back to being dead. Bess dies again and, uh, the But it's also revealed that the many jarred demons that Manberg has been collecting are All Belzer's children. Right. So they are released.
0: Right. So they can make this sort of deal of like, they can, uh, I don't know, not sedate, but they can, they can appeal to Buffalo Belzer by reuniting him with the family he thought he had lost. Jesus, this movie is so
1: complicated. And then there's
0: the big <laughs> sequence with the bulldozers. Right. Where the bulldozers are going to demolish the town. Well, the other thing is they realize they only have a certain amount of cream left. So they, uh, like, and do you use that? Cat's first instinct is to get extra time with her parents. right?
1: Uh, but Raul is like, well, we could use this to, like, get
0: her, no, testimony. The dad, I, the dad is the one who says Yeah, that's true. Like,
1: but Raul's we, the one who does it, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he goes but he's like, the, the one
0: who basically them. says, like, we have loved every minute we've had with you. Yeah. But uh, we're going to go away eventually, no matter what. You could use the last cream you have to do something to bring this town back to life forever. Which is get the testimony of the people who were in the fire at the Berber.
1: So they go to like revive the three witnesses to the fire who are dead. Yes. To testify against the Clax Corp.
0: This bulldozer fight, that's awesome. This
1: bulldozer fight that's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's to the TV on the
0: radio. TV on the radio.
1: It's the big sort of final
0: sequence. You have Mambor whipping ass in his wheelchair. Is there, yeah, is there anything else to it? It's just fun. It just looks cool. Yeah. There's just like tons of bulldozers going.
1: And Kat, before her parents die, uses her psychic powers to show them the nice future that Russ Bank is going to have. Yeah. And Wendell and Wild say they can have VIP passes to their afterlife amusement park.
0: Which they, they pop up in their pop-up book. Buffalo Bell gets it. He sees the vision. He's, he's, he approves. He approves.
1: Normal movie.
0: Very normal. normal. It's sort of about prison.
3: It's about parenting. You're identifying...
1: Grif- correctly, Griffin, this sort of thing of like, you have to let things go. You have to, you know, let your kids be different from you. You're, you yeah. might have to, you know, make bed with the wrong people, but you have to, you know, keep a hold of yourself. Yes. There are things running through it, but then it all also is just kind of like every 10 minutes, you're like, well, I'm very engaged by how complicated this is. Yeah. And I think some people maybe are like, this is too complicated for me to do. I, I,
0: I don't think this movie has any dead ends. I don't think it has, you know, like, uh, split hairs and frayed edges or whatever, you know, like nothing about it feels incomplete. It's just one of those things. There are movies, you know, I I, I find more often they're like <laughs> the world's biggest sci-fi blockbusters that some people will slam for being uh, corny or overwritten or mm-hmm. underwritten or whatever the fuck, right? Right. Uh, that you and I will defend adamantly. Right. And there are things like Inception or Avatar where you're like, you know what? You, if you're going to make this movie work and you're going to get to the po- pure pleasure and joy of these triumphant, virtuoso, final act and a half set pieces, you need to just have a lot of inelegant, clumsy, ham-fisted exposition to set up the rules of this universe. Right. You're just going to have an hour of making us eat vegetables, just shoving it down our throat, because then you can get to the point where you don't have to explain anything further. And Wendell Wall is a movie that operates like that for almost all of its running time. I would say it works in spite of itself. A little bit. I fully like it. But I also support the in spite of itselfness. Me too. If that makes sense. me too. But it is that thing where it's like the whole movie is Inception style explaining to you, well, this is a kick and this is a totem and this is my history and my wife was this and all of that. And you're doing it on like a surprisingly big canvas for an hour and 40-minute animated film, narratively, Big Canvas. When you saw it at Toronto uh, after a perfect night's sleep, (laughs) and I asked you how it was, you said, I think it's kind of great. It's got a lot of ideas. And that's the thing I just keep on going back to, where it's just like, it's got no shortage of ideas. I think it's great. I'm a big fan of it. I do too. And I think most movies like this, where it's like, oh, they had too many ideas... You you feel the excess fat. You feel like this was a thing from a draft from five drafts ago that no longer has any place in this movie and it doesn't tie into anything else. It takes a very long time for him to properly weave all the threads, but I do think it is cohesive by the end of the movie. I agree. I felt satisfied at the end of the movie. I did too. A little exhausted. Then Me again, too. I was tired. Ben and I saw it in theaters. It was you playing did. at the quad for like. 5 days unadvertised there was one other person in the theater and we walked out and we were like pretty fucking invigorated by it yeah like just talking about the the actual things it is saying about society
3: absolutely it's also a diverse animated movie yeah which felt really like special
0: thumbs up to Salek. Even absolutely the way they Thinking deal with row being trans feels very like understated yeah uh, you know the, the the stupid reactionary fucking go woke go broke shit that people complain about. I think what is more often a problem is when like movies want to pat themselves yes, on the exactly. back for being progressive while making, well, actually doing the film right. And this is just like it's a reality of the movie. It's basically like stated only through context clues. You know?
1: Yeah. There's,
0: there's. I mean, the the idea I think is Raul was once part of the clique.
1: Yes. And, you know, now feels different and alienated. Right. And that's complicated. And, you know, cat yeah. feels that way, too. There's a connection there that's yes. interesting. It uh, feels alienated, to be clear.
3: Yeah. Do we say what
1: happens, though, to the Claxons? They get arrested. They get
3: arrested because the, the corpses testify against right, them. Right, but I think the detail I just want to spotlight
0: yes, is that they, like... Go against each other. Oh, yeah. They immediately turn on each other. They immediately turn on each other because they're
3: they're the fucking worst people on the fucking planet. Right. There's
0: no one they won't sell out. Right. 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 Like, immediately. Immediately. Yes. I don't know. I think they're great. Yeah. I think they should. They have a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah, right. And they deserve a platform.
1: You know, Celica said that his future, he's he's vague about it. He's basically like, look, I've got some things I want to do. I had a feature. I almost did a Leica. Maybe I'll go back to that. He knows he can't wait 13 years. Right. And he says, "I kind of like the streaming aspect because I don't have to live and die by the opening weekend." You sure. know, I'm hopeful uh, that that will be helpful. He has the rights back to the Shadow King. He's got that sort of game in ocean at the end of the lane thing that he's thinking about. He
3: at least, but
0: he knows he can't take forever he's if he wants to do another finished. Thing. Like that is huge for him uh, because I think the Shadow King thing for so long just felt like they won't even let him start something again because the idea of having to take a $50 million write-off on an unfinished chunk of movie is what's scaring everyone else from giving him the green light. What a cool title.
1: Yeah. The Shadow King. But I will say, on the pessimistic side, there is just that fear of like, wow, well, this movie didn't really feel like it broke through. Not at all. And I don't think that's like the death of stop motion because like, no. I do think like Guillermo's movie is breaking through a little more. Yeah. There's still a lot of love for that look. Leica has another project on the way, but I do wonder if people will just kind of be like, well, there are people who are a little easier to deal with than you, than Henry Selleck. You know, than you, Henry Selleck.
2: So. I'll,
0: I'll say this I, I don't mean to put the pressure on any sense of, uh, I don't know, cultural, societal obligation. But you and I were just talking about how uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On has seemingly become the critic's choice for animated. We both feel like Pinocchio yep. is probably going to be the front runner for the Oscar, but at least with critics would groups, be my guess, Marcel seems to be popular. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. this does feel like a movie that needs some people getting behind it and championing it, just to remind people that it exists or let them know for the first time that it exists. Yes, I
1: mean, I hope it gets an Oscar
0: nomination. I would say right now that is maybe it is wild that it's on the cusp because this should it's be on a the cusp. locked. I think there are three not many, locks. In a year with that was generally pretty bad for animation. The fact that this movie is not a lock is pretty damning of Netflix. You think there are three locks? You think the three locks are Turning Red, Pinocchio, and when and, and Marcel?
1: I think Marcel's probably I like think now more Marcel of a lock. Is. Yeah.
0: And then I think I would
1: I would put Wendell fourth. Yeah. And I would put either, like, the Sea Beast, which a lot of people liked on Netflix. A big hit, seemingly, for them, too. Um, or... Whatever that means. Don't make fun of me. But I hear a lot of good things about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish.
0: Apparently, Puss in Boots,
1: The Last Wish rips. I remember I was, like, I was going to something with Ehrlich, and he was like, Emma Stefanski gave the Puss in Boots movie, like, an A-minus for us. And I was like, I hear it's good. It's
0: supposedly good.
1: Um... So maybe that. Uh, there are other things like Lightyear and Strange World that didn't really connect. There's stuff oh, like the bad guys that right. kind of like did all right. I mean, I think Mad God obviously should be nominated, but that feels fringy. Yeah, that God. would be
0: my favorite. Me too. I think just, that was what I voted for. The It'd be Circle. great to see three stop motion films. But this nominated. is the thing I voted for Mad God at the Critics
1: Circle because I was like, well, that's the thing I really. think I agree. And then Wendell, I was sort of my second.
3: more
0: movies should go down? Mm-hmm. I don't like how movies are always going forward. I'm just realizing with Marcel, it basically, is is stop motion primarily. You could have a good category where four out of the five nominees were stop motion. Yeah, it's possible. And they would show a pretty diverse range of films. Yeah, that would be my five. It's also a lot of work. It, that's the thing. I, I mean, just watching
3: want, that documentary, like the claim. You know, you got to watch
0: Clay and David. It's just like I'm like, what drives a person? What kind mm-hmm. of person do you have to be to want to do and that? And Wilvin was working in fucking clay. Yeah. that shit, like, melts and it smushes. (laughs) You knock it over, the whole thing's totally smushed. Crazy.
3: Yeah. It's just you have to really be a certain kind of person to just, like, be willing to just, like, sit there and meticulously... With all
0: these guys. And it's, like, Phil Tippett, Will Vinton, Henry Selick. They're all different types of people. Yeah. The one commonality you hear with them is, like, and then they go into some weird zen flow state when they're animated. I think the key word is you have to be a fucking weirdo. You have to be a fucking weirdo. Big time. Yeah.
1: Let's play the box ups game before we wrap up
0: this series
1: and announce our next
0: series and do our rankings.
1: Okay. Number one,
0: no merch for this movie. Another thing that makes you feel like Netflix.
1: I understand that in some sense, just because this movie was supposed to come out two years ago. Like, I, maybe they were just like, this is too big a movie
0: target. I think the only way in which I'm surprised is that it's like, A, visually, this movie looks so great, the designs are so great, and all the characters, and B, the amount of money Selic movies have made from merch. For there not to be anything, like not to be fucking t-shirts with these characters on or whatever. You're like Coraline stuff is still lining fucking hot topic. A store that basically exists as a testament to Jack Skellington. Yeah. I have one note I wanted to read. Okay. This
3: is Republicans' dream for our future, ancient racists vote for our future.
1: Yeah. It is pretty funny. If the Republicans were like, no, 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 no. We're a very reasonable party, and we've revived um several members. From the 19th century.
0: We now uh, know exactly what our founding forefathers intended because we brought them right, back to Right life. here. Yep. And there's just a skeleton going like... Eh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Number one at the box office on October 21st, 2022, which is the weekend this movie was nominally
0: released. Is the wait, most wait, success- no box office figures reported. Right. Most successful film of all time. The most successful movie of all time. Give me the weekend again. Sorry. October 21st, 2022. Most successful film ever made. The most successful Got film... The receipts. Ever made, of course of course is this weekend one or two one coming uh, out this week black adam
1: yep which opened to i'm seeing here infinity money just a little eight on its side
0: it's funny wait i'm seeing a different report here it says it was number one with pure profit <laughs> <gasps> I ah! should have called it in the blackout because it got there
1: ex- immediately. Immediately.
0: Look, $67
1: million. A lot of people would just take the W of having a big opening weekend for your big movie. Other people would throw a two-month hissy fit on Twitter about it and eventually leak financial
0: documents to a blog to prove that, yes, they made money.
1: Definitely. Profit.
0: And basically the documents reveal that the projections that within five years, eventually the total Make profit... Money. Yeah, there's right. money to be made. And by making the way, movies. half of that profit is the amount of money that Warner Brothers pays itself through HBO Max. People were surprised by rights. that. And I right. was like, that's, that's like how all always how they do And this. they control like the fucking companies that own the billboard space. So they yeah. pay themselves to buy yeah, billboards and TV ads. On welcome the to late capitalism. Anyway, this was the funniest if people thing. If want about- to dig into this, I'm sorry, but just smoking gun. I can't remember if it was Harry Potter 5 or 6. But the Smoking Gun website like 10 years ago got the full like p account of Half-Blood Prince or Order of the Phoenix or whatever the fuck it was. And just explained the way that Warner Brothers made it seem as if that movie lost $150 million so that they didn't have to pay out profit participation. This is why I like this. I like
1: some people are like what a pansy move by The Rock to to, I mean, he's to release. Ass. He's uh, right. the ultimate candy yes? To release, you know, doc, you know, basically, like to leak stuff to a Deadline to basically prove that Black Adam made some money. I'm like, this is good. A movie like Black Adam that was an objective failure. Yes, that makes money. This is the thing that we need to start acknowledging that Hollywood refuse. They'll be like, oh, well, the business is in trouble. It's like, right. no, you can release dog shit yes. to no applause and make
0: money. Well, well, if you restore the like sort of multi-tentral release, yeah. if you just punt the thing to streaming, you don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, David, I agree. Don't I, you like money? You Fucks! Someone on our Reddit brought up uh, when Tom Hanks and uh, Bobby Z, yep, were on Charlie Rose show promoting Polar Express, and so many of the headlines around that movie were that it was so fucking expensive, and they were like, "Are you worried?" And Zemeckis just broke down like, "It is basically impossible for a studio movie to lose money." Yes, that was at the time where DVD sales were so strong that they would push any movie into profit. Right. And then it's like, and then you sell to pay TV and then you sell to network TV, a DVD, and then whatever. And all these compressed windows shrunk the ability for any movie to go back into the black. And Black Adam shows you like, right, if you go through all the steps. Yeah, you make money. Eventually. Anyway, number two at the box office, opening against Black Adam, mm-hmm. a fairly successful uh, movie star movie. Uh, a Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, what's the worldwide total on that? The worldwide, well, domestically, it's up to 70? It's up to 66, 67. Okay. So it gets a 70. Yeah. Uh, and worldwide, I want to say it made a, no, a full hundo. Exactly. It's made $170 million. Yeah. Doesn't it just kind of look like a fake movie? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like it's Still real. Still made money. Ben, it, Is feels, it, real? it feels like a fake movie. Yeah. yeah. Watching it, it's it, probably the most disappointing film I've seen all year because yeah. I wanted nothing more than for that film to be a gentleman's six. It's like and a gentleman's like,
1: four and a half. Yeah. A it's five. a Maybe
0: a five if I'm being yeah. generous. Right. Wow. But I am happy that it exists and I am happy that it's possible. More of this, please. Here's another film, number three at the box office in its fourth weekend. it's made $84
1: million mm-hmm. on a small budget. What's the film? Smile. Smile. I'm just so pissed off that in the last six weeks, yes. like, industry reporting has sort of turned back to like, I don't know, man. I think this whole thing might be cooked. It's like, Fuck you. It's been a whole year of success. Smile and suddenly they're like, I don't know. I mean, like this one movie isn't
0: clicking. Ah, strange world. I think it's over, guys. Might as well just put it all on streaming. Smile was going to go straight to Paramount Plus. It sure was. It screened at a horror festival. They were like, oh, surprisingly good response. Should we take a flyer on this one? $200 million worldwide for franchise. Cost five? If that. It was just
1: how much how expensive is smiling? Not. Expensive. <laughs> okay. Number four at the box office, the flip side of Smile, the film that was released on streaming the same day it was put in theaters to the, uh, the movie still made money, but you know, to a huge detriment for its uh, brand name. You know, uh, uh,
0: uh, remind me which streaming service it's on
1: Peacock.
0: It's a Peacock movie. It's called Halloween Kills.
1: No, it's not. Halloween <laughs> There you go. Sorry.
0: 64 million domestic.
1: Yeah. Got crushed by Smile. Halloween ends, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers
0: were finally, were, this is it, guys. Well, but that's not really what the movie was, which people soured on and found out about pretty quickly. No, the, I mean, well, yes, people didn't like the movie, but no, no, but
1: like the marketing of that movie is still, I understand. you know, like, hey, we got Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers. Smile just had smiling. The word that's all it had.
0: On that thing was so toxic. It and was. So fast it's not a good, it's not like, a good. The people who go see the early Thursday night screenings all walked out and they were like, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers were on screen together for five minutes. Fuck this movie. I feel like it curdled immediately. Also, people didn't love Kills. They didn't love Kills. The the, the bloom was already a little off. Kind of overperformed, considering it was also day and date on Peacock. It was surprising it made that much money. Like, you know, deeper
1: in the pandemic. But anyway,
0: number five at the box office for two
1: months, the only family film available to a starved audience that was just like, I guess we'll see this. It's made $85 million worldwide
0: trying to remember what this movie is uh the only family film right. released because it in was october yeah uh, legion of superhero at least super pets was in a similar zone where it hung in there for so long because no one else was releasing any other fucking thing remind me what studio this is paramount uh la, la crocodile lyle lyle crocodile yes
1: which katie rich keeps telling me is good
0: and that bardem deserves a golden globe number.
1: evan susser dm me being like you seen it and i was like no Damn it. I saw it and Javier Bardem's really good. I just want to talk about <laughs> it with
0: somebody.
1: And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You got to watch it. Also in the top 10, The Woman yeah. King, another solid hit. Yeah. Made $70 million. Yeah. Terrifier 2, another insane thing that made $10 million right. despite apparently being like just disgusting. Just true word of mouth. <laughs> don't worry, darling, a piece, sorry, a flawed film.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that uh, made $45 I, million. Dollars a, uh, piece de merde. Yeah. Amsterdam there's no defending that one that thing just stunk should I should I I see it though just to like stare at it yes go ahead why don't you stare at that one it makes you so angry (laughs) really Uh, Triangle of Sadness a Swedish two and a half hour film about barfing (laughs) has made five million dollars domestically yeah it's actually
0: made some money yeah (laughs) where the poster is an old lady barfing I, this is what I would say. I would say the problem is that all of the Oscar movies are topping out at that exact number. It's like Triangle of Sadness is doing better than you expect. Yeah. The problem is that you're like, oh, but like that's the same number Tar ended up at. The, the, everyone's saying like the market's gone. The market's gone, and I'm like, that's fine. Five to ten seems to be the market for everything other than every everything, every, but, all at once. I'm just like, guys, this is not a quick fix
1: thing. Take your goddamn time and put your... No, I'm not ranting at you. I'm ranting at the people in my DMs who Take work for... The movie industries. down from my throat. <laughs> goddamn. No, I'm like, put the windows back up. Make an effort here. Give people... I have so many people in my life who are like, I wanted to see the Fablemans at Thanksgiving and I couldn't. It never happened. Why not? Right. And I'm like, yeah, because they were actually too scared yeah. to like release it. And then it's like, well, it's on PVOD like immediately. And I'm like, why? And everyone at the studio is just like, I don't know. It doesn't really hurt. And I'm like... It may not hurt financially, but, like, you're hurting your fucking business, you morons. Yes.
0: Sorry. Anyway, that's the box office for Wendell and Wild. Hey, numbers not reported. uh, No. Has never cracked (laughs) the Netflix 10. Uh, No, right? I expect this episode will result in the biggest uh, audience. And that's not us patting ourselves on the back. No, it's how apathetic uh, the promotion of this film has been. I get them not wanting to cannibalize against Pinocchio, but they have like two movies in this one category in the same medium with both acclaimed filmmakers. And one of them's got a lot more Oscar heat on and a lot more critical adoration. And that's now become their biggest Oscar contender overall. But it's strange. Now, my top five selling. I don't know what yours is. What's yours? I'm a little stuck on the middle. I know my top two and I know my... No, no, I know. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think I got to give the hair to Nightmare Overcore. I figured you would. I think they're both masterpieces. I'm not a cock. I'm not a dumb animation nerd. I'm a big. <laughs> I'm not owned. Boy. I'm not a, <laughs> As I slowly turn to a corn cup. Yes. Um. It, it just it falls into like like Wizard of Oz territory for i I, like, I sympathize with that. It, I'm the opposite. That it, there's just some magical alchemical thing with that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if I think Coraline is kind of the greater achievement for Henry Selick, O'Tor.
1: Sure, right. If that but makes no.
0: sense. Yeah, no. But you have Nightmare One and Coraline Two. I have Coraline One and Nightmare right. Two.
1: But what's your number three? I imagine you have Peach. Yeah, Peach is third. Wendell Wald is fourth. Monkey Bone is fifth. I have it the same way, but I've considered yep. putting Wendell over Peach. I just want that on the record. Uh, sure, sure. Wait, really? Why? I don't know. I dug Wendell and Wild. That's that cool. the
0: life for him. Oh, 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 oh.
1: James and the Giant Peach is a more straightforward thing for me. I get why I like it. Mm-hmm. Bugs, roll doll, Peach, fun. Great soundtrack of all time. Sure, absolutely. Banger, banger, after, banger, banger after banger. Wendell and Wild, I'm like, oh, there's so much in here that's interesting. Does the movie yeah. function for me as well? I'm not sure, you know. At the end of the day, I'm going
0: for like Peach, maybe slightly more functional, but I don't know. Wendell and Wilde just got so much going I'll on. I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peach, I've, I've watched many, many times as we've covered. It remains very watchable for me. Wendell and Wild. I was curious if watching it a second time, it would have like a glass onion effect where you're like, knowing where the movie ends up, I have a much greater appreciation for all the setup. I see it all from a different prism. Yeah. I don't think it plays that way on a second time. No, no, it doesn't. It, it it has less sort of like pure joy rewatchability than the other encountered that movie.
1: which is a problem for me.
0: Right. It's still on second watch. On second watch, it is still very plotty. There's a lot to get But that was my
1: problem was I was like, right they have to establish this, right they have to establish this. Right. Like, you know, there were a few scenes where I was just kinda of like, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I like thinking about it. I do too. I think he's made four phenomenal movies, and Monkey Bone is one of the more interesting odd uh, duck bad objects ever that i still even kind of more like than dislike yeah yeah kind of no i don't need to qualify that i'm i like that movie i kind of do as well yeah yeah ben's mixed yeah ben's a no right and uh, justin mcelroy is going back to graduate school to get his phd oh my to yeah seriously i did PhD.
3: like what you pointed out about monkey bone which is mm-hmm. the uh a 90s aesthetic I've thought about that a bunch He's since we recorded daddy. the
1: episode.
3: <laughs> but it's just like something about, it's like, it's swing. Yeah, yeah revival. Exactly. And
0: it's... We're in
1: Smash Mouth all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. and it's chain wallets.
0: That <laughs> whole movie's wearing a fedora. It really you is. You know what's weird thing in that movie we forgot to talk about? What? I mean, because we'd already gone long and, and talked a lot about the strangeness of that film. The whole end sequence where Chris Kattan and Brendan Fraser are fighting, holding onto the strings of a giant monkey bone like Thanksgiving Day balloon, yep. right? And it looks like, I don't know how they did this or if this was intentional or not, but it like looks like rear projection more than green screen. Mm. It looks like deliberately artificially right. like they're just Old in front fashion. of a screen kind of shit. Um, I swear to God, that whole final sequence, they start styling Frazier to look more like a monkey. And in that final sequence, he's got like a unibrow. They have like stuck his ears out further. His teeth have gotten bigger. That's clever and there's all kinds of fucking things, organs are falling out of his body it's like that's right that's what you want out of a live action henry Selick movie i
3: agree
0: i don't know weird film i hope people watched it super weird and I, and i hope this has made you consider henry Selleck. consider the Selleck. consider him consider him as an artist in his own right who will you be considering next my friend great before question we leave david it's someone we've been talking about for such a goddamn long time.
1: And I will say, I selected, I basically said next year, mm-hmm. when we were in the thick of Kubrick, and yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is so stressful. Yes. Love I was sure. like, next year, I'm going to do someone I like. You're going to do, so- we're going to each pick an old fade. Pick. And I also kind of have that feeling of like we just gotta get some of these guys off the board. Yeah. Some of these will do them. These guys.
0: are both major, we'll do them someday, guys. And major, we push them through March Madness year after year, guys. Right. Yeah.
1: So next we're doing our first British filmmaker. Unless you count Nolan.
0: Isn't he Irish? Oh, David.
1: He's not Irish. Is he not Irish? Is he not Irish? No. Is he, he not he's Irish? Irish David. He's English. No. They're freaking me out there. And Nolan obviously does count as an English filmmaker. Yeah. But not really, because, like, he hasn't really made movies, you know, in England or about England in a long time.
0: He's our first proper English director. And what I was about to do is going to become less funny. I'm still going to do it. I'm warning everyone in advance. I'm still going to do it. It's just less funny now that I know he's not Irish. He's not Irish. Please say the name of the filmmaker. Danny Boyle. Oh, Danny Boyle, the pipes, the pipes are calling.
1: Embarrassing for you. I believe his parents may have been Irish. I think he was, like, born to Irish Oh, Danny Boyle, so, there you the
0: series is calling.
1: Um, we're going to do the films of Danny Boyle. A lot of people have been guessing, a lot of different people. Yeah. Well, wait. Okay, so then are you going to say yours? No. Well, should we? No. It's up to you. We don't have to. We don't have Let's to. Let's just stay silent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we'll do some. We're going to do a Griff Guy, and yeah. then I guess after that, we will do whoever wins March Madness. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to keep doing, guys, we like to do. Some other things we have coming in 2023, though, of course, is uh, the Blanky Awards. Uh Uh-huh. M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, which has been rated R. His first R, violence and language. Cool. Uh, Cooler. (laughs) Cooler. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, Which is his first R since uh, that happening. Happening. Right? Old was a PG-13. We also, hopefully, are going to have... Well, we're gonna do a main feed episode on the new Mission Impossible movie yes. next year. Right, because we're gonna we do covered all the other McCue films yeah. at this point. We're gonna do uh Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. Uh we're gonna do Michael Mann's Ferrari, assuming that actually does come out. Yes. I think we'll do Aquaman 2. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whenever that's coming out.
3: I think we will.
1: Um, assuming that it ever comes out. One of those weird things where they made a billion dollar movie and now they're like, should we even release the sequel? I'm like, you probably should. Fucking this ball and chain so weird but most excitingly
0: um yeah danny boyle coming up danny boyle all right so next week sunshine one of the episodes we've been you talk about since the beginning of this show the things we've dreamed about doing episodes on this is maybe one of the last huge like griffin david shared obsession movie
1: absolutely one of those like you know what's good sunshine We're not going to have an interstitial because we just did Avatar and we're doing yeah, shop a lot of soon. new we got releases. Boyle. We're not, you know, we're not we're doing got any a, no. Yeah. Next week, a
0: little film called Shallow Grave. Enjoy you miserable, lovely people. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to produce the show. Joe Bowen, Pat Reynolds for our artwork. I know I've already called out what a good job uh Pat did on the uh the Photoshop miniseries artwork for selic uh, I think in the Monkey Bone episode. But uh it feels like there's a lot of uh versatility with the the close up zoomed in photo of <laughs> your face on the James puppet has has been getting a lot of traction people just think it has cold dead eyes. Maybe yeah. I'll do my own podcast about it. Yeah, cold eyes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh sounds good. Sounds original. Uh thank you to AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for editing. Lee Montgomery, the great American novel for our theme song. JJ Birch for our research went deep on the Selic stuff, as he always does. Uh, you can go to uh, blankcheck.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including blankcheck special features or Patreon feed where we do franchise commentaries. And of course, we're doing Hollywood's biggest blockbuster franchise right now in the month of January. The Kotsi Trilogy. That's right. Kotsi Trilogy. Thrilogy. We should call it the Kotsi Thrilogy.
3: So if you want to see us watch esoteric movies while on CBD dog
0: biscuits. Ben's chomping on dog biscuits. I should make it clear. We emailed to Headgrass and said, can you please send us dog biscuits? Ben wants to eat them on mic. And the response was, "Um, we will send you dog biscuits. I just want to remind you, those are not meant for humans. Or dogs. And we would like it if you spent more time talking about any of our other (laughs) products. (laughs) I was like, "Don't, don't worry. They'll be used on Mike. My- crunch, crunch, oh, crunch." <laughs> <Spence was fun." laughs> All
1: right, we're done. Come on. is okay.
0: This episode. Uh, long enough. Yeah. Hey. exactly.
1: Hey, we love. To hear.
0: Hey, we love to hear it. Tune in next week for Shallow Grave, and as always, Crunch, Crunch. <laughs>